Blog Talk Radio. And all that type of stuff. 
in some sense, he's under control and he knows exactly what he's doing. You know, he's got a very awkward style to say the least. And uh, he took care of business. Oscar Colazzo, uh, Scrappy Ramirez and Fernando Diaz. That was a really good fight on that uh, Rocha card. We'll talk a little bit about that. Not a whole lot of great fights coming up this weekend. We had, you know, a, a fighter test positive. The excuse could be real, but it does kind of just make you scratch your your head a little bit uh, comparatively to other reasons and excuses. But either way, that's the Clarissa Shields fight. Um, Showbox, a couple other items we'll touch upon. But as far as fight news, I mean, we finally got it. You know, Spence versus Crocker. Cro- Crocker? Crawford. It's a done deal. It's official. What is it? July 29th in Vegas. Looking forward to that, to say the least. We, You know, the, no, the news kind of broke last week while we were doing the show. Um, we're going to preview it. Like I said, it's a done deal now, man. I am so, so happy. We have uh, some other fight news as well. Um, the WBA and other sanctioning belts uh, called for some mandatories, dealing with Rowley, dealing with uh, Lee Wood, a couple other items that we'll get to as well. Um, Usyk won a purse bid, his side won a purse bid, so you, you assume that takes the, uh, the potential for a wilder fight completely off the board. Is that December stuff you know, real, I don't know. Who knows uh, as far as the uh, the tournament, the four-man tournament. But, of course, Tyson Fury's on his, like, ninth different in-tox opponent. He's now come full circle all the way. Well, full circle from last year, I should say. All the way back to Anthony Joshua, who sounds like he's going to fight in August and then look – um, you know, for that Wilder fight. Maybe this week, maybe next week. That's what Eddie Hearn says. Eddie Hearn says a lot, so we'll see. Speaking of saying a lot, um, and by the way, he said a lot on audio uh, for IFL-TV. Eddie Hearn did about Bob Arum, about uh, PBC and Showtime and others. Uh, but it was in response, to be fair, it was in response to what Bob Arum said about. So we'll talk about that. Do you agree? There's a couple of agreeable things that I think that he said, but also some pretty wild shit he said, especially the shit. I mean, I don't know. The the, the interviewer did kind of push back because when he said basically the PBC kind of really talking that they're like a non-factor the way he said it, like basically Bob Aram, it's me, Bob Aram, and then everybody else is a non-factor, you know, which is just hilarious considering the year PBC and Showtime are having right now. There was a little pushback in the interview about Spence and Crawford, and they just made that, and so it's it's basically you two and then everybody else's garbage type stuff, you know, they said, and he agreed, and he went on. Like I said, he made some points. He, he brought up, you know, where they're taking place, where, where the Lopez-Taylor fight's taking place. They haven't been able to have a, a lot of big fights, right, even since they started that ESPN deal, but you know, they did miss some fights that top rank had either something to do with, uh, you know, Wilder Fury, um, Taylor Ramirez. There was some stuff that they missed, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Like I said, there is a fair amount of fight news 
whether it's the WBO or WBA calling for a fight, that's, you know, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. <laughs> uh, just a variety of stuff to talk about. Let's put it that way. We, we definitely, I definitely got, right when this, this uh, video came out, though, this audio video of Eddie Hearn, you know, responding to what Bob Aram had said, um, boy, did I get some messages. It's funny. Um, but these will be the same folks, and most of these guys are like part-time media members, or maybe they are full-time. You know, I don't know. Maybe this is what they do for their life, and that's it. I'm not sure. But it's funny because they'll, they'll steady talk about fanboys and why, why are you rooting for a promoter and stuff like that, but then they send you this shit, and then they, you know, go with that audio. People are even saying something about the Errol Spence trying to use that like he's not with Heyman anymore uh, when he just signed a, a deal with the management from the outside of the ring stuff. So, yeah, it's it's funny, dude. It is what it is, right? It is what it is. Um, that, that's, just, that's just part of it, man. That, that just, <laughs> that's just part of it. But, yeah, we will start in the ring per usual. And like I said, I, I do want to preview – that that Spence Crawford just just what it means overall and man we have a great summer uh, with so many great fights we got the Taylor Ramirez Taylor Ramirez I just said that tonight. Taylor Tiafima Lopez coming up soon right around the corner really I can't believe it's almost June what is it Thursday's June first man that's freaking crazy um, I mean anyway in Fulton. Like, there's just so now Spence Crawford, we, we're, there's more than that, too. Um, we still have – well, it's funny because Tim Zhu, supposedly his fight's going to keep going, but he got – he sustained an injury from getting bit by a dog. He had to have some surgery or something. We'll talk about that a little bit. But that's another number one against number two for Undisputed at 154. We'll see where Tank goes. And now the big thing, you know, with Spence and Crawford, now that that's done, now that Showtime can fill in the blanks, uh, whether it's on undercards, triple headers, main events that have yet to be announced. Frank Martin, uh, they were talking about, you know, now has, uh, you know, an opponent supposedly. So we'll talk it all through in just a short little bit. If this is your first time listening to the Rope and Dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope and Dope Radio. However, you don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope and Dope and download the show there. It's cool if you do. If not, find the Rope and Dope Radio platform on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Podcast, Amazon Music, Player FM, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spricker, and a host of other places. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegrillingtruth.com, Phil Boxing and Eastside Boxing. One more thing, then we're going to get to it. Get your TV together without the hassle of cable. Direct TV stream, stream the best entertainment and sports, starting with 75 live channels. Save $120 over the first year when you get any package and buy the direct TV streaming device. There's no annual contracts, no hidden fees, plus learn how to get Premium channels included for the first three months with qualifying packages. Sign up today, Direct TV Stream. Okay, so um, like I said, we'll definitely get into what took place. Expect well, yeah, in all three main events. And like I said, we will touch upon. Um, you know, I thought that the Oscar Colazzo 
that was a really good that was a good fight. Scrappy Ramirez, Fernando Diaz. We'll talk a little bit about that card that happened, but we'll be focusing mainly on those three main events that happened overseas, whether it was in the UK or in Belfast, um, and all that good stuff. Like I said, Lee Wood, that was a big big win for him. And man, that Maurice, the Mauricio Lara thing is just weird with the weighing thing, man. Um, and I guess we could start right there. Like, you know, Lara came out. I actually gave him the first round. Like I said, this weigh-in thing, he didn't make certain. You know how there's like a 30, like the WBC, for instance. There's a 30-day weigh-in. There's a seven-day weigh-in. And they have the triple B of C over there have some weight stipulations that you, you have to hit. And so, first and foremost, Mauricio Lara knew what was going on. He's already fought in there more than once, so it's his fault. But when they turn around and say, well, actually, you can't go that low. You can't even – it's too dangerous for you to make that weight, right? And, you know, on the surface, you go, oh, that's kind of cool, man. You know, they're looking out. They're looking out for the fighter, right? <laughs> but then it's like, well, what about Lee Wood? And I get it. They could have pulled the event, uh, Lee Wood, his trainer, Ben Davidson, right? It's ben Davidson. Anyway. You know, people, plenty of people were saying that this is, you know, pull the fight. It, it just – and, you know, people that will just jump on Eddie for no reason, you know, they say, well, he could pull the fight. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people could pull the fight, right? But it, it is what it is. Like, people don't just pull fights over here, like, left and right either, if we're being honest. Um, remember that fight with Oscar Valdez that could have been pulled? Did that get pulled? No, because the tribal land, you know, casino, they had their own, they had their own thoughts on it. It was their fight. I get it. But long story short, it's like, oh, you're looking out for the fighter. You won't allow him to go down to that 126. But then what about Lee Wood in that scenario? Because you're really fucking him, you know? Now he's getting some more money out of it, yada, yada, yada. They had to come to terms and all that. But it just... It just was like, made you scratch your head. Like, are we sure we're being safe for both fighters? But either way, um, you know, like I said, I gave Laura that first round, the left hook landed early right off the bat, probably the best punch in that round. Not much happened, though. You had Lee Wood jabbing at the di- at a distance. Uh, round two, uh, the jab and left hook um, definitely landed, uh, you know, for, for um, Lara, the right uppercut, though, right on the button, late, knocked him down. And then after that, I mean, like I said, Wood controlled the distance at range. You know, he had his jab going. I like how he brought the jab to the body, not just the head and the chest once in a while. Would land a few nice left hands to the head. He fought at a measured pace. Uh, Lara would land his left hands once in a while and all that, and, and the fourth round was really close. And there, there was some close rounds, but at some point, you know, Lee Wood, like I said, just controlled the pace. He was fighting that range. He was being selective. He was moving in and out. He was being smart. He didn't get, you know, talked into, per se, uh, going to brawl, right? Going to brawl. So, I um I was impressed with that. 
I definitely was impressed with that. Now, Wood, I believe, is one of those guys that got his mandatory calls, which, you know, we were already kind of matching up this guy against that guy, and, hey, that would be a great fight type stuff. Those fights can still happen. But um, I give him a lot of credit because most of us thought he'd get bulldozer over. Like, he, he went round and stuff like that, maybe even be up in the cards. That wouldn't have been a shocker, but... He was a, a significant underdog, maybe not as large as, the, say, Billiam Smith in a Coley, but he was an underdog. And he came through, he fought a different style, and uh, his career goes on. Not to say, you know, if he would have lost, I'm not saying, oh, you know, get out of the ring. But he even said it. Like, you know, he's, he's, he's getting up there. He's getting up there. Um, and he's been in some wars, you know, overall. Uh, so that that was, uh, you know, not as good a fight as far as competitiveness, competitiveness like the first one. And, you know, the guy a lot of folks thought, you know, would win loss. And maybe Mauricio Lara, I mean, clearly he wasn't professional with his weight. Um, and, and he definitely dropped the ball. That's not taking any credit away from Wood, though, because, like I said, he was he came with a different game plan. Um wasn't as active. The fight wasn't as nuts as it was earlier in February. But, um, yeah. So, William Smith, Akoli, that was uh, just an ugly fight. Akoli got, you know, what was it, two or three different discounts, uh, you know, deducted points discounts. Well, I guess it did get discounted. Um, William Smith won, though, as a large underdog. Um, I thought a Coley would be able to, you know, fight, like have control with the jab. I thought he'd be able to control the fight in the first part. And I did think Billiam Smith would, you know, Chris Billiam Smith would be able to make it like a competitive fight and kind of make it a better fight, say, in the second half. He got the W. There is going to be a rematch, it sounds like. But a Coley with the holding and, and, and just a lot of, it was a weird one. But like I said, Billion Smith scored knockdowns, right? But it wasn't like he completely separated himself either. There was a lot of close rounds. We had that weird scored scorecard. What was it? 112-112, I think it was. Um, so, I don't know. It was, it was a weird fight. I do want to see the rematch. Not like I'm anticipating it like, man, based off what we saw the first time, dude, this is going to be a war, you know. Round 13, here we go. But I do want to see how it, how it works because Coley, you know, as we know, he's had some issues outside the ring with Eddie Hearn. Uh, you know, he hasn't been the most active guy. And uh, credit to Billion Smith, though. You know, but that, that was, a, that was a, a weird fight, man. It was a slow fight, weird fight, holding fight. Like I said, though, without those knockdowns, it was a close round. Because there wasn't much fucking happening in the fight, you know? Uh, speaking of a lot of shit happening, Luis Alberto Lopez and Michael Conlon, um, I thought the second round was a two-way round. I thought Conlon actually got the better of the action in the second round. But right from the jump, I mean, yeah, Conlon had his jabs and was throwing the hook to the head and body. But those lunging shots for Lopez... Like I said, his style is so awkward, but yet he uses timing in feints, and a guy's trying to move, especially Conlon, who has a lot of upper body movement and head movement, 
at times he's like, all right, dude, do your little movement, and boom, he time him, you know. So it's it's not it's very unorthodox. It's not something that you're wanna gonna you're, you're gonna want to teach. Some of the the still shots, the one I tweeted, are just hilarious, you know. But it works for him, dude, and he's just he's got power. He's got he does have skill. Don't go looking at his style. First of all, don't replicate it uh, as a young boxer, but because <laughs> it's going to be tough for you. But in one, in some ways, though, he's, he knows exactly what he's doing. Like I said, he's got really good timing. He lands his big shots a lot of the time. Um, there's times where you go, dude, he's putting himself in a horrible position. Someone's going to counter him and knock him out, and I do believe that. But it's also like, but he gets away with it, but it's not just luck get away with it. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's like, dude, he, he's doing his thing. This is him. And you can't teach it, but he's effective at what he does. And he's got this style that you think he's far away from you. And then you're clubbed with the shot, you know? Anyway, getting back to the action, I did give Lopez the, uh, the third round. Uh, he stumbled Conlon in the last 60 seconds or so but early in that round even it wasn't just that i mean he was early and mid he was landing to the head and body uh now conlin actually did back up lopez in that round for a little bit the fourth round a lot of give and take could have went either way i thought lopez was getting the better of it but the last part um of the round cut off when I was watching the replay, I didn't watch it live. There was a head clash too. Did that happen live? I'm assuming um, because when I watched the replay, I didn't get I didn't get to score the round to be honest with you. But a left hand in the fifth round lands early, um, and I think it was a well. Then the body t- attack, you know, came in, and then a right hand that lands perfect. It was a right uppercut to me. When I first saw it, it looked like it was in the chest, like he landed the uppercut to the chest or the midsection. I was like, God damn, you know, because he had already, you know, landed some body shots. But it was a right uppercut that, that landed perfect. Corner threw in the tall. It was a wrap. You didn't see Conlon, uh, you know, freaking out about his corner, you know, throwing in the tall and whatnot. Um, but, man, yeah, this guy, any. Didn't he just re up? He just did he re up or he's fully signed to uh, top rank? I think he re up. Either way, Luis Alberto Lopez, this featherweight division, featherweight festivities is what I called my my boxing prediction blog for the last weekend, and it, it is festive. It is festive. We can't figure you know some of these guys that lost Figueroa like there there's some names. And then, you know, 122, some guys are going to come up eventually anyway. I'm sure we'll see Fulton here before long. Of course, he's got, you know, a lot on his plate as it is. But, dude, this Luis Alberto Lopez is just, he's just a gift that keeps on giving. And like I said, you could sit there, and I've been saying it for a while. You know, he lost to Ruben Villa. I've been saying it for a little bit. Everybody has, right? Like, dude, you're just... God, you're putting yourself in a weird position. Put your fucking hands up. What are you doing? Oh, my God, you know, like, and then, but he just, like I said, his style, it just, it's just so original. And I don't know. I, I just enjoy his, and he's a handful for anybody at the weight, obviously. 
Um, and let's see where his career goes from here, man. Like I said, we will talk a little bit about, um, you know, Rocha, that fight didn't, I mean, he took care of business, that's for sure. But that Oscar Galazzo really looked good against uh, Melvin Jerusalem. I mean, he had some tough moments in the fight. That's why I really liked the fight he came through. And then that scrappy Ramirez fight, Fernando Diaz, that was a really good fight, too. Good undercard. Main event, eh. But against, you know, Rocha and Young, that didn't really do much there. But the they, they stacked the undercard as far as quality, like mid-level uh, and, uh, you know, prospect trying to become contender here quick um, type fights. Um, and like I said, there's not a ton to talk about this weekend. We have a show box. Clarissa Shields is back in the ring, but her opponent fell through. Of course, we'll get to Spence and Crawford, too, because now we know that's official. I'm going to go ahead and bring in John. And by the way, MBO is going to come on, too. Matt, for those who know him, he's coming on the show tonight. I'm going to go ahead and bring in John, though, to the fold here and get his thoughts on the weekend and just a variety of stuff. What's going on, John? How you doing? Chris, how's it going tonight? It's going great. It's going great. Had a good weekend. Um, the weather's great here. We got a bunch of hot days coming up. Uh, things are looking up, my friend. Yeah, yeah, definitely get, got a hot week coming up here, and uh, we're starting the unofficial summer. And you know, it wasn't it was an interesting boxing weekend uh, last weekend. You know, um, you know, listen to your breakdown on things uh, from last weekend. Just given you know, then my take, uh, I was focused on the uh you know the the Lopez Conlin and then the um the Lara Wood and you know checking out the O'Coley and Billum Smith. I first did you know pick up where you left off on Lopez. Great great performance. That that was the fight that uh for me was actually the easiest to call. Uh, that that was what I did see coming and I think what made it even easier was um was wondering how that was going to work out, but in theory, sometimes you see where the, what they might be trying to do, which, and what you know I'm getting at is, uh, you know, Lopez, you know, brought in Kay Caroma, who, of course, has trained a lot of top U.S. amateurs, and he's been with pros too. But a guy who really, you know, works with boxers, and Lopez had brought him in wanting to you know, refine his game because, you know, I, I've said what you were saying that some people weren't picking up on, you know, this, this Lopez, you know, even before Coroma, you know, it, it was in a bit of an unorthodox way, but the guy has, you know, the guy has boxing skill. He's not just a, he's not just a puncher. He's not just a brawler. He does it more of an unorthodox way. You know, he, he he's really fluid and relaxed in there. And, um, you know, he, he uses that to box and then you know, he brought in Coroma to even refine that. And, you know, that happened because, you know, what was kind of amazing as Lopez took control of this bout really from the outset, even though Conlon had some moments in the first two rounds, it was Lopez right off the bat making Conlon fight the fight. But when I saw Lopez, you know, he's only five foot four. And when I saw him getting low, doing like his Pernell Whitaker imitation, and you know Conlon's yeah. got all this amateur <laughs> pedigree, I was like, Conlon's done. I mean, you know, Lopez has got the got the power and, and the strength, and uh, 
you know, but he's more fluid and relaxed. And then he's doing a Pernell Whitaker on him. I said, this thing's done. You know, uh, you, you could just see it was, you could, I mean, by the third round, you could see it was over to me. Um, Lopez, he had made, you know, I don't think it was Conlon even choosing it. I just think it was Lopez's skill level and what he brings to the table. He had Conlon fighting his fight, you know, through the first two rounds. Conlon had some moments, but then you could see, to me, in the third, it was over. You, you could see that Lopez was, was getting to him. He made him fight his fight. Conlon wasn't going to be able to have the energy to, you know, move around to the ring, move around the ring and stay away from him. He he tried to land his best power shots, and he landed a couple of good ones, but he he didn't phase Lopez. You know, despite that knockdown against Wood and a couple of uh, uh, you know you know knockouts against some lesser competition. You know, if you, you look at the entirety of you know Conlon's career, he's not a puncher. So, uh, you know, he, he gave his best shot literally at trying to, uh, you know, hurt Lopez, couldn't do it. Lopez, you know, had the pressure on him and, and really was outboxing him in the ways you and I are talking about. You know, it's in an unorthodox manner, but you know, he's, he's got Karoma now and together with his, uh, you know, pushing ability and that unorthodox boxing ability. And, and, you know, it came together, and there just really wasn't anything Conlon could do. His corner was concerned about him already after the third, which they turned out to be right. I mean, I could see it, too, that you just – I thought he, he's done. You know, there's nothing more he can do. It's a matter of time. And uh, his own corner was, was concerned, and they ended up being right. You know, he got through the fourth, but then he got basically not cold in a fifth. So that that was the end of that. Um Great performance by Lopez. Myself, I, as well as he does with it, I think really the one thing that's just going to be tough for him, uh, most people are going to have him, uh, you know, featherweight in terms of lineal is considered vacant right now, rightfully so. Um, but, you know, who's going to be the number one guy after this weekend with things shuffling again? That's happened a lot in that division. Uh, makes it interesting, but but nobody's really been able to take control. It's, and it's been like that for a number of years, really, at featherweight, which, again, makes it interesting, but it's kind of chaotic. I think most people have Lopez at the one. I, I agree with that. That was my thinking in transnational was, um, you know, we'll get to the – I'll get to the my take on the Wood performance, but, you know, Wood at a more advanced age, um, having been knocked out by Laura, even though he avenged that this weekend – I, I think that gives enough for Lopez to be in the one spot with the, you know, the warranted win and the role he's been on. And, and you know, he was beating 130 pound guys, and now he's proven he can still make featherweight. It was a little iffy for him on some of the. I, I think more with the Warrington, it, it seemed like he was maybe having some trouble getting down, but he beat it by a half pound here and, and didn't show any effect. So, looks like at least for a while he's going to be at featherweight. But what I was getting to is the only thing with Lopez I see as a, you know, possibly where he'll be vulnerable is, uh, you know, he's 29 years old and he's five foot four. Um, you know, in other words, he's, he's not, he's not tall. So he's got to find some ways to put some pressure on, um, because taller guys who are better than Conlon, you know, that they're going to be capable of maybe outboxing him, you know, if he, if he can't keep putting that pressure on. So I think he's going to have some vulnerabilities there, but what he did, in the ring 
Saturday and the role he's been on. I mean, I'm not I'm not seeing a lot of vulnerabilities on what he's doing right now, but I do see where at five foot four, um, it, it might be it might be tough for him if he's in with a a, a taller opponent who's you know better than Conlon. But uh, you know you don't know who exactly that's that's going to be right now the way these fights play out. So I, I think he I think he moved himself into that number one position because of what happened just about a half an hour or so later when that fight got going, uh, the Lara and the Wood, um, you know, going into the fight before the weight thing surfaced the week of the fight, that was a total Lara pick for me, uh, looking at the 10-year age gap. Um, but, you know, then I did say when, when the weight things came up with Lara, you know, I ended up then just thinking, well, I didn't really want to change my pick, but I, but I did tweet out. Anybody can look at it. I, I'm somebody that always leaves all my tweets out there. So I don't delete basically on picks and things like that. So, you know, I had that concern and then people were saying, Oh no, you know, he, he didn't have a belt on the line with uh, Warrington. So don't worry about his motivation. And, you know, he's going to be coming in heavier, but you know, like you were talking about Chris with the weight stuff, you know, that when, when a guy doesn't make the weight, yes, there are some instances where you have the guy was in shape and then he doesn't, he doesn't have to cut all the way to make the weight, and he has an advantage having those few pounds on fight night. But there's also instances like we saw this Saturday, and this wasn't the only one. It was just, I've seen it throughout boxing history. That's why it always makes me squeamish when that comes up, you know, where the guy was having so much trouble making the weight, and then, you know, belts, belts not on the line anymore and wasn't in that good a shape, was drained from trying to make it and then not making it. And that's, you know, no, in terms of not taking anything away from Wood because he performed really well and he had to have guts. He didn't know exactly what was going to happen and went through with the fight, like you were talking about too. I think you gotta you gotta give him credit for taking that gamble and making it pay off. But look, we saw Laura in there, and, and as I always say, I don't like punch stats for who won a fight, but I like them for a lot of other things. Punch stats did come out after the fight that Laura was way down from the first fight and what he threw. And frankly, even though he won by knockout, I didn't think his activity level for the style he should be fighting was even all that great in the first fight, even though he got the sensational KO. So, you know, his, his numbers were down from that. So, you know, you don't want to make excuses, but, but you've got to also just look at it as it is. I mean, the, the guy performed terribly. I mean, would perform well. He basically, you know, kind of went with his, this was one that he did do what they said, you know, after the first fight, which was he felt like he was fighting the right game plan and he was winning the first fight when he got caught and knocked out. Uh, and he was just basically going to do it and not get caught. And Laura made that easy for him because he put no pressure. I mean, you know, it really was a, a, a dreadful performance because, you know, Wood was, he was boxing well and for most of the fight kept his hands up. Now, even though he didn't get caught, I did see him dropping him again late in the fight. And, and Laura was so bad. He, I mean, you know, you saw the fight, Chris. He, he just wasn't even throwing. I mean, it got to a point after a few rounds, the guy wasn't even throwing punches. It was absurd. Uh, so, you know, Wood did what he had to do. He got a nice, clean knockdown in the fight. Wood does have good pop for the weight. Um, I don't think he's a monster a monster puncher like like the commentators say and some people say, but, but he's definitely got good pop, you know, for a featherweight, and that was a clean knockdown. So he did that. Um, you know, good performance by Wood, especially at an advanced age for a featherweight. And he he took a gamble, gambled on himself, won 
you heard Ben Davison say after the fight, and I think in this case it is true, uh, you know, that they just evaluated with what their preparations were and kind of alluding to what figured was going on with Laura with the weight that they, they could make this gamble pay off and, you know, outbox this guy uh, over the distance. And that's why they went through with it. And, and I tend to believe it because that's the way it played out. And, uh, they stuck with their game plan, but you know, I, I did even see Woods' hands coming down a bit later in the fight where he was open. You know, he boxed well and, like you said, kept him at range and he scored a clean knockdown. But you know, it, it wasn't like a. Um, you know, I talked about Pernell Whitaker with uh, with with the way Lopez imitating him. Like, so might as well just stick up when speaking to great boxers. Like, you know, it, it wasn't like a Pernell Whitaker like. Uh, you know, he he was making a miss all the time. You know, miss all the time. I mean, Laura wasn't doing anything. Um, so you know, you can say, well, he 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 got caught early and dropped and things. But I I don't know something something just was seemed off with the guy. I mean, when you're fighting a 34 year old guy and you know you're a 24 year old guy, I mean, you got to be breaking him down, putting the pressure, going to the body. You know, you figure that's going to go your way. It very likely is going to go your way. So, you know, to, to not, you know, he, like Laura was fighting like an old guy, <laughs> you know, he wasn't throwing any punches, relying on maybe getting one shot in there. I mean, you know, and, and Wood was fighting like a younger guy. I mean, it was just ter- terrible performance by Laura. Credit to Wood for going through with it and winning. You know, I, I think he's got himself back up there right behind Lopez, I'd say, after this, this weekend scramble. But, um you know, I don't know if you've seen it, Chris, because I was actually looking and, you know, like we both say, fighters always have these excuses um, and, and it almost goes with the game because they have to have that confidence in themselves to get in there. But I haven't even heard anything from like Laura and his camp about, you know, what their version is of what happened here. You know, the speculation I would go with after what, what we saw would have been that, remember, he wasn't allowed to make the weight at the regular way in time. I mean, the, the British Board of Boxing Control said, no, you're not, you're not allowed to make the weight. A lot of people are getting confused on that. But like you mentioned at this, you know, British Boxing Board of Control check weight that they have, um, you know, he, he missed it. He was at what, 128.3 or something like that. My speculation then at this point would be from what I saw Saturday was that to make the to try to make the one twenty eight three check weight, he he must he must you know you know he or he must have been real heavy before that and and couldn't make that right and yeah right that that would be my guess now is that you know you put all the circumstantial evidence together and you know I think some people are starting to say that yeah that that he must have been he he must have been boiling down at the last moment trying to get down to that check weight and couldn't even make it. And then he was probably probably drained and a combination of drained and unmotivated. Um, but you know the performance was so bad. You know, outside of getting knocked out, he you know he he didn't do anything. Um, it was just a really bad performance. He he hurt his stock a lot. Um, and and I was thinking, you know, since he's been promoted by Eddie Hearn, um, if he stays with that. Um, you know, Hearn's got Cordina, who's at 130. Like, you look at that fight, I mean, Saturday, Cordina would just box his head off. I mean, he just, Laura just doesn't have the activity level. He doesn't put the pressure on. And, you know, a guy like Cordina, 
who survives a, a high pressure fight with Rakimov, but who can't box if he wants to and has some pop. I mean, he would he would handle Laura easily. You know what we saw Saturday. So I'm just like looking if he thinks, well, I'll be at 130. Well, you know maybe maybe it's not going to work out that you, you know work out that well unless he he's still young uh, even for the lower weights. Um, a lot a lot has to be improved from what we saw Saturday. And even now looking back in hindsight at the first Wood KO, he wasn't that – he was more active in that fight than this one, but he wasn't that active. So, you know, he's got pop. There's no doubt about that. But, um, you know, he was more aggressive when he took Warrington out in the, their first fight. You know, there he was real more aggressive, more going for it. Um, if you want to look at something he needs to get back to, it, it would be more going going all the way back to that, I would say. Um, so good performance by Wood. You know, he, he apparently wants – it seems he wants to fight Warrington. And, you know, at his age, can't blame the guy. I mean, I, I think he can beat Warrington, um, you know, because some of the other fights, you know, at, at his age, um, you know, I, might not – might not might not be as good for him because I, I could see you know why he uh, why he wants Warrington but you know because you got Lopez out they're talk he's talking Lopez some too but you got Lopez out there you got Robisi Ramirez guys look superior now to me but you know rankings are not but but this division's been surprising this has been a a very unpredictable hard to rank division for for quite a while now and it's continued that way. So it, it makes it interesting, though, for the fans. Um, but that's my take on uh, that one. And then the another dreadful performance was O'Coley. You know, I just thought with Sugar Hill in there, I thought Billum Smith was decent. But like you said, I thought O'Coley, and you know, he's got Sugar Hill in there now. I just thought with the jab, maybe the holding he does do, he's boring. But, you know, the jab, I, I thought eventually he'd detonate a right hand on Billum Smith. Even though Bill Smith's not bad, but it was like everything bad about a Coley just kind of came out in the fight, and uh, really, really dreadful. Now I'm not saying with him this is why he was bad. I, I'm not going to give him that necessarily because I don't know or really have any other evidence. But I've been saying this for over a year. I'll throw this out because I think it, it is a waste in terms of career strategic moves. I've debated people a lot saying, "Hey, this guy's very tall." You know, for a cruiserweight, he's got heavyweight height, he's got power. Why not make the money? You know, the Brits do have the best heavyweights in the world right now in terms of depth. You know, he's also a Brit. Why not make, you know, why not make the money? I mean, why not go for it? And and I always think that that's when these are really bad career moves because the money's so much higher at heavyweight. Um, and people are saying, oh, no, you know, keep these alphabet belts at cruiser, do that for a while at home and then do it. And and now look, you have a dreadful loss like this, um, sets you way back, uh, not going to have the heavyweight value that he would have had. So I'm not saying like he lost just because he stayed at cruiserweight. I don't know that, but bad career move. I, I was saying that before the fight. And now, you know, he has this awful performance where his stock drops, hasn't even made the heavyweight move and he brought Sugar Hill in and it just, just awful. I mean, awful performance for Lara this weekend, awful, awful performance uh, for Okoli. And, and, you know, that's my take on those three major fights of the weekend. Yeah, I, um, 
Yeah, that Dillian Smith the goalie, that that was a weird one, man. That was a weird one. Had a weird round. Had a just I don't know, that just not much happened in the damn fight. I know there were some knockdowns and stuff, but and holding, you know, points deducted and all that, but yeah, it was uh seemed like they had a nice crowd in there and they definitely weren't treated uh, you know, to a, a good fight. Maybe the second fight will be better. Uh we'll see. And yeah, I mean you know, the the WBA did uh, already call, you know, for Lee Wood to fight um, Klomatov, I think it is, an unbeaten guy, um, you know, who, who beat um, Patrick Ward, Thomas Patrick Ward, uh, in his last fight earlier this year, actually not that long ago at all. Um, so that's probably his next fight, obviously, you know, can you step aside him and, and have a bigger fight? Maybe. Um, but I, I could see that. I could also see, like, you know, the, the, the Warrington Lopez or, you know, that, that would be an interesting fight there. Um, yeah, I liked how you described that, Lopez Conklin. It's like you kind of knew at that point, yeah, you're, you're pretty much done, dude. Uh, this is <laughs> right. not going to go. It's not going to go good for you, man. You don't want to be in this predicament. Um, and, uh, It'll be interesting to see where Conlon goes from here, you know? Really interesting. Because now you have two knockout losses, still a heartbreaker in that fight that he was winning fairly cleanly, both you and I thought. And uh, yes. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. Any other items from the night uh, that you'd like to discuss? Or maybe we could talk, you know, it wasn't official last week, but now it is official Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford, done deal. Yeah, I just like to talk about the Spence Crawford, but wrapping up, I, I can pick up my take on the Conlon. I, I think Conlon's kind of, you know, kind of done. I mean, you know, you hate just writing people off, but you got to look at it. You know, too. I, I we both agreed. Yeah, he was totally beating Wood. I thought I didn't agree with those scorecards, and he ended up suffering a brutal knockout and brutal knockout against Lopez. Um, you know, to me, I, I look at part of it like we know you got the big crowd in Dublin, but but because I was thinking this as that fight happened too, and you know, in the U.S., people that follow boxing closely will remember this. You know, top top rank picked him up, you know, right off the bat after the controversial Olympic loss, and you know, he had the amateur pedigree, and and they were they were featuring him prominently in the U.S. and you know. Trying to you know New York area get getting some you know Irish Irish American crowds in there and things and he, you know he had boring performances and you could just see them pulling away from you know pushing him um, really culminating in the Wood fight where that ended up just being on zone with Hearn after Top Rank had that investment you know you know I know there was the alphabet belt and stuff but still you'd see it even before that and like. This was on ESPN Plus in the afternoon in the U.S. Yeah, I get it, Dublin Live and all that, but you know how that goes with U.S. money when somebody gets popularity or, or has had successful TV exposure. That tends to not matter, and the U.S. stuff will control. So, you know, you have like a secondary commentary team for ESPN Plus on there. I'm not knocking Christina Puncher and Jamal Herring, but we know just the way they do the pecking order of the broadcast. You know, and they were obviously not over there. They were here doing it, and I just thought, like, 
this is how it ends for Conlon, you know, this, this Olympar guy in terms of name recognition, getting a big U.S. push initially, and it fades, 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 and he ends up getting knocked out, you know, on ESPN Plus with, this, with the number two commentary team doing it remotely. Um, kind of a, kind of a, it, it, you know, there was a drop there if you watched how, they, how his career was being pushed at the beginning, you know, from the U.S. perspective. So I, I don't think it's looking all that, looking all that good uh, for, him in the, for him in the future. So I'll just leave that. And then uh, Spence Crawford, you know, I think, Chris, you and I, I was really, again, you can listen to the past podcast, probably was close to a year or so ago. I think we were really prescient on, on our, and on target. We were talking about boxing in general, and we were both like, you know, this was before Davis Garcia even got signed and, and obviously Spence Crawford, and we were like, boxing is in a position now where they just don't really have fights that are even – you put together the best fights the fans want that would cross over, except maybe Davis Garcia and Spence Crawford, and we were speculating that Maybe because of that, have those. And when they first actually were talking about uh, Davis and uh, Garcia, you know, I was thinking ah, it's not going to happen. It's, it's got to cross over with promotions. But then it did happen, and now this one's happening. And I think it goes back to, like, what you and I were saying. I mean, and I guess that's where the market sometimes works. I mean, you know, I just think in boxing – PPC happened to be involved with at least part of both these fights, but it's just not them. It would be whoever had it. Like just looking at things and saying, Hey, you know, there's not enough out there that if we put it together, it's even have any chance of crossing over into any other audience or, or breaking these, these paid modern pay-per-view thresholds that have developed like much lower. And, you know, you saw uh, Davis and Garcia got through that and, and Spence Crawford's that type of fight. You know, I think it's an even better fight going in. It is a 40-year type throwback to me to the Leonard Hearns type stuff and, the, you know, the Leonard Duran type stuff. It does remind me. I get that feeling, so I'm not going to knock it whatsoever. I think, yeah, their ages got a little advanced, but it's that type of fight. Now, it doesn't mean we're in a boxing climate like 40 years ago where it's going to necessarily – sell that equivalent if you you know inflation adjusts the numbers and things like that but i mean it's there today right there i mean it's the first it's the fight i've most wanted to see i think most people are like that I, you can't speak for everybody so great to see it and, and like we're all kind of saying and we were actually even crediting the laura wood with that last week you know and and some ogs are saying this now too you know it, it's good to see these things like happening quick you know what i mean like it's not like, oh, Spence Crawford, it's going to be December 1st. I mean, it's Spence Crawford coming up, you know, July 29th. I mean, Good that's point, yeah. It's like, it's yeah, here. Not, it's here. It's not waiting forever. And we then we got to wonder, is it going to happen? And we got to wait forever and everything is on hold. You know, they're getting to it, and especially they are getting at advanced stages for the wait. You know, both undefeated. You have to be realistic about that. So, you know, it's still going to be great suspense and everything, but, I mean, like, let, let's get it on, and that's what they're doing. So that's awesome, and I, I think it fits with that, too. What I was thinking uh, I, I'm going to throw in, and, of course, would love to get your thoughts as they go along. I think it's probably worth 
starting to talk about boxing pay-per-views, subscriptions, and whether you and I are going to get it or not, just saying, like, from a boxing fan perspective, you know, is it is it worth it? I mean, whether we're going to get it or ultimately or not. And I'm thinking, like, Spence Crawford is one, and a lot of them aren't going to be. I think I'm going to conclude, but Spence Crawford is one that is. So, you know, I'll, I'll just start with that. That's, that's worth it. I mean, even if the price is going to be high, that's a 40-year throwback. That's a real pay-per-view fight. That's a lineal welterweight title, you know, going back to Robinson, Leonard, you know, Duran, Armstrong. I mean, that, that's the same line. I mean, so if you're a historian, you can like it. Just if you just want to see two undefeated guys that, that we've been waiting for go at it, I mean, that, that aspect of it, um, you know, these guys have been dispatching opponents impressively for a long time. So you've got all the great stuff there. Um, so it's got everything. That's a yes. And then I was thinking about, like, the zone subscription. And, you know, I, I mentioned how I kind of got used to this in the afternoon, um, you know, watching these fights from the U.K., things like that. But, you know, $20 a month, you get nothing else on there. That's just not worth it. You know, I mean, it's not worth $224 a year after it was a 99 a year. I mean, that's an outrageous increase, and that just really can't be justified price-wise. And then I go in there that even though it was a good fight, coming – after a long line of pay-per-views, and I felt, and I've criticized PBC for a few of these. I thought Haney was starting to build, but I just thought it was a hair premature. Uh, Lomachenko was a decent dance partner because he'd gotten pretty good numbers, relatively speaking. But 150 on the pay-per-view, fail. I mean, so let's, let's be real. That that's a fail. Um, it probably wasn't worth it, even though it was a good fight. Just coming along with all those other pay-per-views and. And Haney, it was the linear lightweight title. It had historical significance, but Haney probably needed just a little bit more to build. He, he was on the right track, um, and he still might be. I don't mean off it or anything, but that was just a that was just a bit of a reach a little too soon, I think. Um, so uh, the fans put their wallets there, and, and you know, I think like we talked last, but that to me means no rematch. So uh, I think at 150, that's not a rematch. I got this funny feeling Lomachenko is going to get a good fight. You know, Davidson's still there. He's got something of a name. Uh, you know, Haynes talking about the 140. Um, but if he goes back with top rank, you know, he could have a big fight with, of course, Stevenson, whose numbers are also going up. But that's going to be the mystery. I, I, I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, you know, is Haney any program on his own pay-per-view. See, that's like a no. That's where the, you know, these promoters and, and even the fighters who really have to think. I mean, you know, I guess if you can get paid anyway, you don't have to worry about it, but in terms of your exposure. So um, that we'll see how that plays out. But, uh, I, 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 you know, I love the Spence, love the Spence Cross, Crawford, of course. Yeah, it took a long time coming, and, you know, for Spence to stay out that long, he could have, you know, had a different fight. He stuck to his guns, and, you know, they were able to go back to the table, and that doesn't always happen, so it's just a, it's, it's great. I mean, we got a lot of fights this summer now, too. We got one coming up just around the corner with Taylor and Tiafimo, and, you know, the same week, John. Tuesday, anyway, yeah, in freaking Fulton. Like, that just, 
It's crazy, man. I like what they're doing. You know, they're they are looking at it like like people are saying, and this is where the marketing goes. I mean, we're boxing that in twenty twenty three. What they're looking at is saying baseball's not as popular as it used to be. Um, you know, you're in the summer. Um, football hasn't gotten gotten going yet. Um, this, this is this is the time. You know, you can put boxing, of course, a a combat sport on there, and you can get some people watching. Um, and that's what they are going for. I mean, this is not coincidental. So uh, I like it though because it does fit. I mean, you know, again, I like baseball, but you play 162 games. It's not what it used to be, and it certainly isn't in the ratings. So uh, have a lot of big fights in the summer. Um, it's it's I like it. I mean, I, I like it. I think it is good, smart marketing strategy. It's what they're going for, and I think it's the right move. I, I agree with the move because, you know, we've said this before. Um, you go back 40 years, they would do a lot of the big fights in the fall, but – and you don't even have to go back 40. You could even go back more like 30, um, 25 even. But it's falls too much of a monster now. You know, you get yeah. – even you get a college game on a Saturday night and – you know, and NFL is just moving on to all kinds of dates now. I mean, they just expand, expand, and expand their schedule, and it's just hard to get the oxygen. So um, you don't have to worry about that in the summer with just baseball there. So uh, it's a, I, th- I think it's the right move, that, and, and I'm glad that they pushed it with the timing rather than maybe put it in the fall when there's too much NFL static uh, and, and it diminishes you. So um, – I think it's a strategy. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Any other items before we get you out of here, sir? Uh, that's that's about uh, that's about it, Chris. Uh, I think uh, I think I got uh, got my verbiage in and got got it well covered. So uh, appreciate it as always. All right, you take it easy and uh, right. have yourself a good night. Have a good night. Have a good rest of the week, Chris. Yes, sir, you too. Take it easy. All righty. John is a great follow on Twitter, by the way. Like I tweet, great boxing line, because he is. And just talking a little bit, MBO should be calling in here anytime. Matt, another great follow on Twitter. Funny dude, knowledgeable, uh, all sorts of good stuff. Um. Now, you know, Rocha took care of business. You know, he didn't play with his food, got the job done, right? Definitely got the job done. But I do want to talk about two other fights um, on that card, Melvin Jerusalem and, and uh, Oscar Colazzo. I thought those, that was a good fight. And then John Scrappy Ramirez and Fernando Diaz, dude, that, that was a good-ass fight, very good fight. Um I had it 2-2 after four. I gave uh, Scrappy the the first and the fourth. I thought his jab and left hooks were kind of the difference there. He had some slight movement in there that was kind of tricky, throwing off Fernando. The second and the third, though, speaking of jab, Diaz his, had his jab going, and he was landing really nice left hooks. A few right hands he added in the third round to go to go with that jab, and it was a stiff jab, too. Um, and like I said, to go with the left hook as well. Um, the fifth round was a close round somewhat. I gave it to Ramirez, but I thought it was close. 
Um, Ramirez in the sixth had his jab and, and like the one-two go in the jab right hand. But I think the flurries from Diaz, um, a good left hand, good body work. There was an uppercut in there. I uh, I gave him the round. Seventh round overall, better lands, I thought, for Scrappy. Eighth round as well. He was kind of on his pot shot pivot. Smart movement, good footwork, tripling the jab and whatnot. Ninth round, once again, super close. I thought it was very close. I I, I shaded it to Ramirez, but just barely. Uh, that could have went to Diaz as well. He had his moments uh, and, and had a nice flurry in that round. Early and late, Ramirez kind of showing you early and then closing better late. That probably did it, but I don't know. That could have been uh, Diaz's round. Fun round. Gave it the 10th the round, the 10th final round. Really fun round, but then I, I did you know, end up giving it to Ramirez. So right about 6-4 is where I had it. Um, I think it was 96-94. One of the judges had it for, for uh, Fernando Diaz, and then the other two had it 96-94 for Scrappy Ramirez. I mean, anytime you're 2-2 after the first four rounds, that's a great prospect level fight. And John Scrappy Ramirez definitely was tested. So we'll see where he goes from here. But that was a very good undercard bout. And speaking of getting tested, Oscar Colazzo and uh, Melvin Jerusalem. I mean, the first, let's say, I gave Jerusalem the first three rounds. Um, not that he just dominated or anything, but I thought the left hooks, um, a few right hands, whether they came looping or they were straight, I thought that probably did enough there. Um, you had right hooks coming from Colazzo early um, with his left hand to the body, but I actually I, I did give him all three. You, you started to see Colazzo counter more in the third round with hooks. I just thought that it was better overall landing. Um, Fourth round was really, really close. Then I thought Colazzo went on a nice run. Um, He kind of turned the tide in that fifth round, landing the bigger punches. Um, Still, though, you know, um, it's not like Jerusalem was just getting, you know, tore up or anything, and it was just a one-sided fight after that or or anything like that. But straight left hand to the body or the hook, um, combination punching with the jab and hooks, a jab and uppercut in the sixth round, huge left hand, and probably with like 45 seconds or so left in that um, in that round of the sixth round, uh, left hooks early from Palazzo, straight left hands, the hook to the body and head. He was using angles. He was he did a lot of good stuff in there, uh, Oscar Colazzo, especially after you know let's say the first four rounds. You could have had him down four rounds, um, or at least three out of four, I thought. But he really turned it around. And, um, yeah, they, they basically didn't even go into the eighth round, correct, uh, if I remember correctly? Let me look at my – yeah, it was a, kind of a corner boxer stoppage. It was just it was just a wrap. Uh, Jerusalem did land a combo a late combo in that seventh round, but uh, he was starting to get, you know, beat up pretty good. So they called it 
really good win for Colazzo. Um Yeah, so I really, as far as undercards go, yeah, the main event, eh, you know what I mean, wasn't wasn't that great, wasn't a great matchup coming in, and like I said, at least uh, at least he did take care of, you know, he, he did take care of it, you know, he did definitely take care took care of business. So I'm definitely not uh, trying to rip him or anything like that. But it just this wasn't much in the fight per se. But man, um, that undercard I thought was awesome. You know, I thought that undercard was awesome. I really enjoyed it, man. That was a like I said, that was a really good, really good undercard. Um, wraps it up. We do have a fair amount of fight news. Like I said, um, it wasn't. We we don't have like Showbox has the card. You know, there's going to be. I think it actually is all three undefeated against undefeated, which is you know no surprise if you've been watching Showbox. Um, so we do. You know, we hopefully we get some good action in there. Um, there somebody was talking. Okay, so. Somebody asked me about so, and this is what I mean by rankings. Okay, when we talk about, I said this so many times. The IBF gets all this credit for being more of the stern, you know, sanction belt. Right? We've seen it time and time again. They'll just be like, "Nope, you're done. If you don't take this fight, you're done." But a lot of it, some, I mean, sometimes their rankings suck, just like the rest of them. You look and go, "Oh, that's a pretty good ranking there for the whatever three-letter word." Um, but Mauricio Lara, I'm sitting here on BoxingScene.com. They do a pretty good job with the rankings. This isn't updated just yet, of course. Um, but as far as staying on the rankings, not the rankings like, you know, the other rankings, but like the actual, you know, um, rankings per division. But I'm talking about the rankings. And this dude was the number one ranked guy, this uh, Klomatov. I think that's Oda Beck. I saw his last fight. I think I saw his fight before that, or at least highlights. But he was the number one guy, and in, in Lee Wood won the fight. And so that's who he's fighting next. So um, are there better names than that? Yeah, you know, there are. There are better names. But this dude, like I said, he's, he's undefeated, 11-0, 10 KOs. Um, I think he's Uzbekistan. I think that's where he's from. But the Thomas Patrick Ward. Uh, was like, was recently. I think it was in March. Don't quote me on that. Um, and then he, he beat like an unbeaten prospect. And I think that went the distance, whether it was 12 or 10, I can't really remember. But no, he's not in the top 10. No matter if you went, even if you go to the Ring Magazine, he's not. But when you look at it, and they haven't updated their, uh, actually, let me double check. They haven't updated their shit, but just to use it in these, you know, <laughs> I mean, the Ring Magazine just kept Loma in the top ten. And uh, I see MVO on the line. I'll go to him in just a second. This is them right now. Like I said, I'm going to say Mauricio Lara's name at number one at Featherweight, but you can clearly tell they haven't updated it. Okay. Actually, let, let's go with the transnational. Okay. Because I think they've updated theirs. So, uh, yeah, they have. They have. So, number one, Luis Alberto Lopez. Number two, Lee Wood. Three, Ray Vargas. Uh, four, Mauricio Lara. Five, Brandon Figueroa. And 
Vargas and Figueroa, I believe, are fighting here soon. Magsayo, Warrington, uh, Robisi Ramirez, that Abe dude from Japan, and then Raymond Ford, who is an up-and-comer U.S. fighter who's, uh, you know, on the cusp of being a problem there, too. And so I, I don't know. I mean, just just because someone will bring this to me. Uh, right now, as it stands, the ring featherweight is Mauricio Lara, but that's this is not their current ranking. Ray Vargas is two. Lopez is three. So are they going to jump him from three to two over Vargas? Their fourth guy is Figueroa. Ramirez is fifth. Maxeo sixth. Wood, seventh. See that? He's going to go up, obviously. Warrington, eighth. Conlon, ninth. He'll probably drop off. And then that Abe dude uh, is there, too. So that's the Dougie Fishy, Fisher special. I know it's not just Doug, but, but I just like to say that. All right. Let's see here. Let me do my thing really quick. We're going to get Yo in here real quick. All right, let's bring him on. What's going on, Matt? How the F are you on this Tuesday night, my friend? I'm good, man. Are you breaking news over there? Uh, this is the first I've heard of uh, Brandon Figueroa versus maybe Ray Vargas. Well, it's I'm not uh, officially breaking it, but that has been the uh, – that's kind of been one of those fights since they were working on the Sprints Crawford and they haven't announced a bunch of fights. That's been kind of in the forefront, like that's probably going to happen. So, That'd not be a officially. Very good matchup, man. It would be, wouldn't it? Yeah, so not that'd officially, but it, it does sound that. like, yeah, that'd be a great. They got a lot of, like, underrated matchups that are either going to be main events or they're going to be, like, you know, part of a triple header and whatnot that just, you know, has been waiting on Spencer Crawford. So, or maybe just Crawford, however you want to <laughs> say that. But, yeah. um, <laughs> but you know, um, yeah, that that is a rumored fight, like a strong rumor, like it's probably going to happen. So that would be a no, good, that would be fight. good. Yeah, that definitely. Yeah. That that's honestly that's a that's a, a main event on its own. Exactly, know, uh, that's what I think they're going to do. Yep, that's what that. they probably should do. Because at some point, uh, it's fun to be on undercards and stuff, but. There is something to be like, hey, you got to start doing your own main events uh, as well because that's part of, uh, you know, yeah. growing and whatnot. But, but overall, how are you doing, my friend? Um, I'm what, pretty what, good, man. I'm just, I'm just happy that we finally got the news that boxer fans all wanted uh, with Crawford versus Spence uh, finally being announced. Uh, it's going to be probably the fight of the decade, I want to say, if, if that's not – uh, too hyperbolic. You have basically the biggest welterweight matchup in boxing since Floyd versus Manny. You got, without a doubt, the number two and number one guy in the division. You have arguably um, two top five pound for pound guys going at each other. And I, I don't make the whole prime argument, whether they're in their prime, out of their prime. I just know that these two are the guys now, and I don't think there's anyone better than them right now, and they're fighting each other. So that's, that's all I care about. I don't see how this is not going to be uh, the musty event in Boston in 2023. Yeah, it really is, dude. And, and people were like, 
oh, this summer, beyond the matchups that were already there, they started announcing, like, you know, that mediocre-type main event stuff uh, that we always get in boxing anyway. But people started to kind of be like, hey, we've had such a great year. Are we going to get more? And a lot of it did revolve around Spence and Crawford. Obviously, Tim Zhu and Charlo, as long as he comes through uh, his fight, that should be a one. another one. Gervonta, we'll see who he fights. Uh, there's a lot of fights that will be announced here in the coming days, weeks, and months or whatever. But um, any items from this last weekend that you'd like to talk about? Or there's a lot of different topics going around, whether it's, you know, keeping Lomachenko, uh, you know, at the 10 spot in the pound for pound, or, you know, <laughs> just a variety of shit that, that, you know, we're talking about. But in or outside the ring, anything you'd like to talk about from last weekend or any topics? Uh, well, I would like to talk about the WBA, basically. It seems like they're ready to call Daniel Dubois and Frank Warren bluff about being ready for this Lomachenko fight because now they're requesting paperwork again from Daniel Dubois about his injury. So I'm thinking that something might be going on behind the scenes where they might end up pivoting Alexander Usyk to defend his title against someone like Deontay Wilder, who's up next in the rankings. Yeah, I mean, we had that purse bid, and you'd assume Usyk would want that money. Um, but yeah, I know this is gonna this is gonna be this is gonna be funky because it, it, it yeah, Dubois was just like, oh, uh, you know, I. I I'm hurt. I, I tore this. I tore that. All of a sudden, the Usyk comes up. And he's like, actually, I'll be good, dude. I'll be fine. When's the fight? We're good. Um, that would be crazy if it ended up being that, you know, he couldn't fight because of injury and the fight doesn't go through. Like, he, he comes back too quick. He's in camp and he, not to wish anything bad on the guy, but uh, knock on wood that, you know, tears up his stuff again or whatever and, and then yeah. that fight doesn't happen. There's been a lot of hurry up and wait type stuff going on at heavyweight, obviously. And there's all this talk about the four man tournament in December and Saudi and all that. But yeah. Tyson Fury's on his like ninth opponent. He's come full circle MBO all the way back to, to Joshua now, which yeah, so I weird, don't believe for you know? a second. It's really weird, but at least we have what seems to be some sort of movement here with this purse bid and, and Usyk side winning it. And they have a date saying this is when it's going to be. I think it was like August 12th or something like that. Yeah. In Poland, though, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Actually, let me yeah, double check not, that's that. Not happening. Come on. Come on, man. That's not happening. Like, I, honestly, I think they're trying to weed Daniel Dubois out because who really cares about that fight? I mean, True. <laughs> it, it, it's, yeah, it's weird to me, uh, basically. But it's, I don't know, it's a lot of stuff going on. A lot of weird stuff going on in the boxing now. But, you know, I'm just glad we're getting the fights that we're getting. There's a lot of chirping now going on between the camps of Javante Davis and Devin Haney. Um, I was of the belief that that fight is happening next uh, when I had the honor of going to the press conference for Ryan versus Tank in New York. I heard from a very reliable source that the Haney fight 
was up next for Team Tank, and it was already like the machinations were going on behind the scenes to, to, to make that fight. So for me, the fact that these guys are publicly talking about the fight is not a surprise to me because I always heard that that fight was going to be next. Now, maybe to, like, the boxing fans, it's a surprise because, you know, in boxing, everybody thinks that everyone ducks everyone. But to me, right. it was not a surprise, and I think that's what we're going to get next. I think that's the move to make if you're both of them, but especially the Javante side. It's like, why not? He's not going to be at 135 much longer. That could be the next last fight he could, you know, fight at 135. He is the undisputed. He is the lineal. You know, why not go for it? It seems like the best time to get it. That way you don't have to fight him at a higher weight class or whatever. And, uh, I can see the Haney side, him wanting to go to 140 and see if Gervonta will come up there. But and they are both yeah, young enough to where 140, you know. That's true. That's very true. It's just a regular matchup. That, that's why I was confused about people thinking that that Roley would vacate his WBA belt to go fight Ryan. Like, why would Ryan fight Roley if Roley doesn't have a belt? I'm assuming Ryan wants to fight him because. It's a marketable fight, yeah, but also because he right. has the belt, you know. Yeah, that's uh-huh. true too. Yeah, it's not like Roley's that big of a name to where it doesn't matter, you know. Yeah, you know, like, if, if anything, if Ryan uh, only just wanted he could afford somebody like Program, but I think he identified the most marketable, beatable guy at 140, so that's the guy who he wants to fight. Yeah, and just following up, you're right. It's in. Uh... Poland at a stadium, 40, or that's what they're saying anyway. Uh, this is Dan Raphael, 45,000 capacity at the stadium. And literally, like, Usyk promoter won the bid $8 million, K2, uh, compared to Queensberry, 5.6. Um, so you know both those guys want that money. But, yeah, did, I mean, did the, the Polish, like, government put that up? Like, do they yeah. think that they're going to – because, I mean, what – no offense to Poland, but what kind of ticket sales are you going to have there as far as, like, you may sell it out, but what are the tickets going to go for? I wonder, man. I wonder if Maybe they, they like I said, up, they, uh, that they wouldn't just call their could, bluff, like you said. Yeah, they could dig up Tomas Adamek, maybe. What, what is he doing nowadays? You know, maybe dig up Adam Kodaki. Maybe get uh, right. a couple Polish guys on the card that people like. I don't know, but, but for me... Even the the eight million dollars, uh, what is it supposed to be like a fifty five forty five split, something like that? When person uh, Dubois like an interim champion or oh, that could champion. be yeah. Maybe it's not a seventy five twenty five. Oh uh, no, I don't think so. Not not because yeah, you're right because the interesting thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I I, I would Usyk really go for that? Like I know Dubois would the ball the ball said to make yeah. <laughs> a career high payday, you know, but Usyk. He's been he's been living off that Anthony Joshua money now. He's been eating good. Yeah, exactly. Does he really want to go back to fighting for pennies when allegedly he has a Saudi deal on the table? And right. even if that falls through, you have a potential fight against Deontay Wilder, which would be much more lucrative. Especially you put that somewhere put that in New York. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's true. And and sometimes that AJ Saudi money we saw it with Ruiz. Every, every, you know, it sounds like he outpriced himself against Wilder. 
Some people didn't believe that. Then Fury said it. We keep hearing now that now that if Usyk does have something, maybe you know Ruiz would come back to Wilder. But yeah, man, I think it's up in the air. Going back to that Haney uh, Gervonta confidence level comparatively to what you already knew and what you were trying to tell everybody, MBO, about Spence and Crawford. You were the guy for quite some, I want to give you your credit. I heard you time and time again on the Jake and Lefty show on Saturday and other spaces talking about it, hitting it home. Where are you at? So, first of all, credit due. Here's your flowers, right? Smell them. I appreciate They're right. that. I'm smelling them. I yep. appreciate it. <laughs> um, I got the roses in a couple different, you know, uh, <laughs> colors and stuff, so it's a little multi-everything. Um, but – Where's your confidence level based off your source, like you said, a very good source at that weigh-in for Haney and, uh, and uh, Tank? I think my confidence level is where I was with Spence versus Crawford. Very, very high because this guy has no reason to make up something like that, you know. It, usually when I talk to this guy, he's more uh, along the lines of, oh, well, you know, just wait and see. We don't talk about stuff publicly when it's announced, it's announced. But he told me unequivocally that is the fight that is being worked on behind the scenes. That's what Tank's team want next. So that is what's going to happen. So I have no reason to, to doubt my source. And we'll just see, you know. Hey, look what happened with, with Spencer Crawford, right? A lot of people thought it was going to be Spencer versus Thurman. But like I tell people, right. Errol Spence is one of the few fighters that ain't never lied to me. That man, if that man said he's going to do it, he's going to do it. You know, he said he's going to spin the block. That man said, I'm not fighting Keith Thurman. I don't care what you say. I'm not fighting that guy. And look what happened against all odds. He's not fighting Keith Thurman. He's spinning the block. He's fighting Terrence Crawford. So when I hear from Tank's side that this is the fight that they want, this is the fight that they're going to make happen, I don't see why it doesn't happen because both guys stand to make a shit ton of money. And Devin Haney will never, ever, be in a bigger fight in his career. Yeah, and I mean, oh, well, you lost the tank if that happens. Oh, well, move up. You can always use the excuse, oh, well, you know, it doesn't matter anyway because everybody's losing the tank right now. But, you know, like you can always say, hey, I, I didn't feel good, blah, blah, blah. You're young. He's like 24. Like, I agree, man. Yeah, and it, you sound confident, and that's that's coming from a New Yorker, so there's already a confidence level above the rest of the country. But you just put it up <laughs> a different level with confidence. Man, okay. Okay, dude. Yeah, I, like, I, I like I'm what I hear. These, I'm not one of these curmudgeon, perpetually miserable boxing fans or people that follow the sport. I, I always look at what we're actually getting. A lot of fans focus on the fights that we're not getting. I focus on what we're getting, and what we've got in this year so far has been damn good, and we got a lot more coming up. Like this, believe it or not, you wouldn't know that from uh, listening to people that cover the sport, but this is, is shaping up to be one of the most fantastic years in boxing that we've had in quite some time. And you got some dudes saying they're done with boxing. You know, I'm going to take a little break. You know, I got to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all know it's a bunch of white dudes. As a white yeah. dude, I can just say it straight up. It's a white dude thing, dude. Now Loma lost. He got robbed again. Our white yeah. brethren, you know, all that stuff. I, I love that Lomachenko has 
has never lost a fight fairly, uh, apparently. Yeah, they took they, dude, they took away his uh, amateur. You seen that? They took away his amateur <laughs> loss too. Now <laughs> they put the pro and amateur together, and now he's got one less loss, dude. I mean, not even a draw. They won't even go draw. Yeah. They go, no, that was just a loss straight up, dude. Yeah, man. But the I magic of the white me. man, right? The magic of the I white mean. man. <laughs> I just love what's oh, going on, man. Ben versus Crawford, man. That honestly, that really made my day. And you can see how much that fight being announced has has reignited the interest yes. in, in in boxing. You you saw them on Million Dollars Worth of Game, which is like a hip hop kind of podcast. You saw them on First Take. Yep. You know, you, you're starting to see them basically every day. They were on like uh, Brian Custer's uh, show. You know, so they're yep. everywhere right now. And that, that's a good look for the sport. And the great thing about this fight is I don't see a way in hell that this fight does not turn out to be awesome. Someone's losing their own. I Someone, agree. The way these two guys, these two guys are killers, someone's going to get their ass uh-huh. kicked. <laughs> this is great, yeah. man. I agree. And, and, even Crawford, you know, we talk about his counterpunching, but he gets mad in the ring, dude. You know, so mm-hmm. if he gets clipped, he's coming at you. He's not just going to sit back all day, you know. Yeah. He's looking to set you up and all that, but, yeah, man, you're right. It can't because just, just Spence's style alone lends itself to be exciting, but when you add yeah. them together, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. It really is. Um. Another couple questions. I don't want to hold you too long. I know you got stuff to do and whatnot. Um, first of all, I like your trivia show. I was ready to jump on last night. I, I understand your thought process with that, though, with the, with the uh, you know, with, with what happened on Twitter and whatnot. But uh, yeah. keep me posted on that because I definitely, not just because I put it, you know, submitted a question, but I, I do like that. A great question, I like what you way. got going with you that. Credit, a, a great question. Oh yeah, you know I had to make make it Minneapolis centric too, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody calls it flyover country. Nah, I'm not going out like that, MBO. I'm not going out you know, like I, that. I might have an all uh, Minnesota category, especially for you on the next one. There you go. We can get some Kirby Puckett involved. We can get a bunch <laughs> of dudes involved, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, real quick, well, not real quick, but um, Josh Taylor. Tiafimo Lopez. I'm not going to call him a New Yorker because I know I know he wasn't really a New Yorker. We won't do oh, that. Boy. But uh, what are your thoughts here, man? Is Lopez going to kind of rewind the clock back to 2020 and, and, and just show up um, and, and get matter, it done? Though? Because this is a huge fight. But does it matter if he rewinds the clock? Because he's going up against the beast. And this is another fight that I love. Because imagine you get the best Tiafimo Lopez and you got Josh Taylor, who is a rough, tough, rugged, dirty, just, just uh, he's, uh, he's a man's man in the ring, like, as a boxer. Outside the ring, whatever. Both these guys, you can keep them. But inside the ring, these are two of the best that we have in the sport. And I, I'm just waiting to see how it is, especially the mental game, because we all know Tia has been, I would say respectfully struggling mentally, you know, and Josh Taylor is, 
Mr. I'm injured, but I'm trying to have a fight with uh, Jack Catterall ringside. So who knows what's going on with him? I think this is a crossroads fight, believe it or not, for both sides. Because can Tiafimo Lopez recover from another loss? With all that's been going on with him? I don't think so. Could Josh Taylor, who uh, a good amount of people thought lost to Jack Catterall, uh, Josh Taylor, who vacated every 140 belt that he had except for basically one, who is Josh Taylor without a belt? So could he recover from a loss to Tiafina Lopez? This is a fight with a lot on the line for both guys, so I'm anticipating that both guys are going to leave it all in the ring, and who's going to benefit from us? From it? Us, the fans. It's going to be a damn good fight, yeah. and I can't wait. And it's in New York, too. That's helpful. Yeah. yeah. They need more fights in New York, available. i got to say. Tickets available. Tickets available. Yeah, that, that's very true. Tickets available. Um, yeah. Anything that stood out from last weekend, whether it's uh, that Luis Alberto Lopez crazy style or, uh, uh, you know, Lee Wood coming back and beating Lara with the weigh-in shit, anything that stood out from last weekend? Well, I know you had John on a little bit earlier, and he was one of the ones that predicted Luis Alberto Lopez would win by KO. So I'm pretty sure it wasn't a shock to him. Um, I thought what happened with Mauricio Lara was unfortunate. I understand the UK rules. He fought in the UK before, so he knows the rules. But it's kind of shitty that you're not even given a chance to make weight to defend your belt. Would it have made a difference because he got beat anyway? Maybe not, but I, I feel like maybe his motivation was gone. Like, you know, I'm losing the belt anyway. Let me just show up, you know, get paid. I'll fight if he wants to fight. But I think he would have went a little bit more harder if his belt was still on the line. So that was disappointing for me. Overall, it was some, some good fights over the U.K. I never want to see O'Coli, uh Lawrence Coley again. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Don't want to see him again. Uh, Maybe Eddie Hearn had something right in that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's the one that left Hearn, which is funny enough. I know Eddie Hearn's probably right. just sitting back chilling like, hey, look what happened. You know, I'm sure he'll rebuild, but it, I hope a lot of people didn't watch that fight because if they did, they're not going to want to watch him again. You know, that's an unfortunate know, thing. The U.K. scene, the U.K. scene is sizzling. You know, it's kind of fizzling out. So it's like, it, it, it has been. It yeah, has been for a little bit now. With that, you know? It's but too bad they could spread out this last weekend, too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it is because those were good lineup fights, you know? I mean, usually when it's a triple header here where there's three different – usually there's like a shitty main event, a good main event. You mm-hmm. kind of know what you're going to watch, you know? Whereas that was like – I felt bad for him because – those were all like, at least you have interest in watching them, no matter how they turned out. Yeah, I, I think maybe they could have combined those cards. The undercards weren't very strong for any of those cards, so maybe they could have, you know. That's true. I don't know. But is there anything coming up that you're interested in? Because I'm still trying to figure out the next big fight. I'm looking at uh, Adrian Broner, who's fighting on the ninth of June. It, you know, that, that's a big one for me. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that. 
But uh, we got a showbox coming Friday, which is always you know worth a watch anyway, just to see what pops off between unbeaten prospects. But yeah, beyond that Taylor fight, I mean, you know, hopefully there's some like under the radar stuff that'll just pop off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like uh, this Talium Walsh and Carson Jones, you know, fighting in California June 9th. I'm looking at yeah, that I'm as like, is that still on? Yeah, California you're right. Bar. That's going to be, yeah. <laughs> um, so that Broner Hutchinson, I'm reading that it's going to be on Fight TV. <laughs> That's what I'm reading right well, now. All live dark there you go. Really, oh, I yeah. suppose uh, Jaime Munguia and Derevchenko, that's a fight. Sonny Edwards and Campos, that's a fight. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as June goes, I mean, I'll always, you know, like, you know, Clarissa Shields is fighting now. That I was kind of interested in the opponent, but now the opponent fell out due to yeah. that, that test, you know. Um, yeah, the that dog, Tim Zuo combo, right? Yeah, yeah, and it got a new like her arm or finger or something, and yeah. her bloodstream or something. something so like it's like, the yeah, it's like once it gets in your bloodstream. I remember back in the '60s, guys like Jimi Hendrix and whatnot. They, they, you remember how he used to wear that big headband? Yeah. Um, he would Wait, what slice he a lot of those it? dudes. <laughs> Yeah, he would slice a little little cut in his head and put the LSD in it and, and put it in there and just go to go to pound on the guitar, dude. Yeah. Like maybe maybe so okay, so did she cut her hand and that's how it got in or this stuff just gets in you like fentanyl, you know what I mean? They're acting like it's fentanyl MDL. I don't exactly. know what's going on. Well, you know, um, then Tim Zoo Ocampo could be interesting. I'm looking for uh Ray Salim and Sam Goodman. That's like a a top ten matchup there on that undercard. I like that. That's an I, I like yeah, that's that. an IBF uh, junior featherweight eliminator. That comes off, you know, Tim Zoo got bit by a dog. I know. So. Yeah, <laughs> I heard about that. I heard about you know. that. And then I'm I'm definitely interested in as far as action fights that night, uh, June 24th. You know, at the Armory in Minneapolis. But I'm biased, obviously. Yeah. Um, Franco Ioka rematch. That's later, June twenty fourth. That's probably pretty yeah, that's, good. That's I, I hope somebody. Yeah, that's interesting. I got some interest in that, but yeah, it's more like. Uh, and then uh, Jared Anderson gets the the home home uh, hometown yeah, fight. I'm, that's kind of interesting. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Listen, listen. June is just the appetizers. June. Is the calm before the storm that is NUA versus Fulton and Crawford versus Spence. That, that, that's exactly. all this is. We're just, we're just biding our time, and we're waiting mm-hmm. for that huge week in the end of July where it's, it's just going to be it's gonna be a banner week for boxing. It's going to be, I, I'm, I'm going to dare to say, one of the best boxing uh, weeks we've ever had. The, the sport will is literally best and brightest on the biggest stage. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. And, I mean, that's a great way to go out there, sir. Any any final words, sir? Not really, man. I appreciate you having me on. You know, it's hard to follow John. You know, John, he's a, a vocal dope uh, radio legend, so it is hard to follow him. But I appreciate you having me on, man. Looking forward to the next show. Looking forward to listening back to the rest of this episode. 
And whatever you got going on, man, you got a great show going. And I'm just glad to be a part of it for this uh, episode. Yes, sir. And then tell the good people how they can follow you on Twitter, how they can catch up with you just in general. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to get chances. No, no. I'm good. All right. I'm good. Yeah, that's fair. That's I'm, fair. I'm good. <laughs> if, if that's fair. I set you up there. If you don't, you don't. Yeah. yeah. If you see me, you see me, you don't. You I don't. gave you your roses, and then I just set you up. So I apologize on that one. I have, all right, MBO. You take it easy, man. You take care, brother. All right, man. Take it easy. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I just, I almost did it to him. I almost did it to him. I got to watch out for that, man. I got to watch out for that. Anyway, MBO, good stuff, as always. And uh, we'll just leave it at that, okay? We'll just leave it at that. Um, getting a variety of messages in here. Um, we're going to go through them. We're going to go through them. And by the way, that is official. The WBA did order that Lee Wood fight, okay? They did. Doesn't mean he could drop the belt. Dude could take step-aside money. You know, that that's possible. That is possible. Um, but, yeah, I uh, <laughs> I have been, been, getting, been getting some uh, – well, let's go through a little bit of news. I'll put you guys on the back burner for a second because once Eddie Hearn was – saying responding by the way eddie hearn was responding to bob arum bob arum had words about him go figure um so what eddie hearn i'll play some of the audio in just a short little bit i'm not going to schedule my show around you guys but um we will get to that we will get to that because i think he said some legit things i think he forgot some things about top rank uh in bob arum as far as recent fights um I also think he said some ridiculous shit, too, um, where he ranks himself here and, and what, you know, you're putting out here. It, it's a little funky, you know, but we'll get to that. We'll definitely get to that. Um, and by the way, once again, WBA special, Rolando Raleigh, Raleigh, Raleigh Romero, O'Hara Davis mandatory 140-pound title fight order, WBA special, Okay. Um, the recently crowned WBO, blah, 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 instructed to enter a 30-day negotiating period with Davies for the mandatory, you know, per normal. So they got 30 days to, to figure it out. Um, they're going to have to throw some big money at him per se, relatively speaking, because the way Davies is talking, and a lot of people talk, promoters, managers, fans, fighters, and then all of a sudden, oh, actually, this is going to work out for me. I will take that step-aside money if I can be guaranteed the, the shot or whatever. So you never know. You can't just, you know, say that right away. And, it, and it's coming down to a boxer who obtains a title eliminator fight for a vacant title must make an initial title defense as follows. Uh, Non-heavyweight division within 120 days from the date uh, the title was obtained, so from May 13th, which is a normal thing, so they have till September 13th. Um, so we'll see. They have till, well, to make the fight, but, like, you know, to schedule it, I should say, that date. But June 28th or 29th is when the first bid will be ordered. Now, if they're close, we always know that they can 
push something back if they're close and whatnot. But I'm going to go over a, a couple news items, um, and I will address the that stuff. Uh, getting a lot of Devin Haney, uh, what he said about Al hasn't reached out to me. Um, it, it, based off of uh, Coach Kelvin, Gervonta's side, talking about they want Haney, if not Cruz is the backup. We'll get to some of that. Um, uh, there was some news that, of course, people use conspiracy theories, <laughs> no, you know, uh, against uh, Al Heyman, of course. But Spence Inc.'s uh, managerial pack with Fighters First Management. This is Jake Donovan today. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is this is a good thing for for Clark as well. Um, so what do you say? It's an honor to have Errol join Fighters First Family. Uh, if you know Errol, you know, you know, he's only aligned himself in, what, let's say, 11 years, the PBC at Everlast. And it is funny because, and it's Adrian Clark, by the way. By the way, Lefty Chicken Talk, he has an interview with him. So check him out. Check that interview out. I tweeted it. Go to his page, whatnot. Uh, I'm sure it's good. I haven't listened to it yet, but it's just a timely interview. So, which is per usual over there with Lefty. Um, Shouts out to him and the whole Chicken Talk community. But, yeah, um, Spence has been advised by Premier Boxing Champion creator Al Heyman, but has remained managerial and promotion-free throughout his his 11-year pro career. So a lot of people, including (laughs) – well, a lot of people. Uh, where we're like, oh, that that's good. Like, I think I think even didn't uh, Oscar come up and be like, yeah, man. He said, hey, what did he say? He said something like, oh, that's awesome. You got a new manager and a new advisor, you know. And it's like, well, I mean, you know, he's a manager, and I believe it's for the outside of the ring stuff, um, which is just funny because you know they they right away look. He doesn't. That's why the deal got through because Heyman didn't isn't his promoter anymore. So yeah, I mean here it is. Congratulations, this is Oscar on Twitter. Congratulations to Errol Spence and his new on in his new manager slash advisor. And it sounds like the manager Clark is really just outside the ring stuff. And obviously he's got a big event coming up, big events in his future. No matter if he wins, loses, or draws that fight with Crawford, so. But Spence uh, quote tweeted him say, chill to Oscar. The only person managing my boxing career is Al Heyman. Okay? Lock no key. And somebody underneath this said, clearly that's not true. You have new management. <laughs> it's like, oh, God. Are we, are we kidding ourselves right now? Um, speaking of Oscar, you know, he did, he was saying that, you know, we're going to talk. Well, first of all, he's happy, so glad Crawford and Spence is finally happening. Winner fights Alexi Rocha, then Virgil Ortiz, as long as he gets through his fight. Eh, you know. Hannah Gabriels, who actually gave uh, Shields a pretty good fight, she did. Like I said, that's the one I was talking about there. Um, but Oscar was saying, you know, we're, we're, we're going to meet up with uh, management, Ryan Garcia's management and whatnot, have a meeting uh, we have multiple fights that we're going to, or multiple opponents that we're going to offer. And he was asking, uh, you know, the fan base, hey, 
who who do you like out of these or whatever. This is Dan Raphael. Spoke to Ryan Garcia's advisor, and he said despite Oscar's uh, statement that he and Ryan will have a meeting today, Tuesday, neither Ryan Garcia nor his representatives have or had a meeting with Oscar or Golden Boy to set an opponent, opponent excuse me, for his next fight. That's just what's reported. You know, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so Pro Gray's got a fight coming up. Opponent fell through. He's got a new opponent, whatever. But he said, uh, yo, Haney, come pull up to, to the fight in New Orleans in three weeks. I got some ringside tickets for you. We're going to show you that Southern hospitality. And that's a real thing, by the way. If you didn't know, a lot of people in the North don't know. It's a real thing. Southern hospitality, no doubt. Uh, Devin Haney said, I, I'm thinking about it. I'm, a, I'm assuming Eddie told you that uh, little call I just gave him. Uh, meaning, hey, you know, he has some interest there. Uh, and he said, Haney, for the record, I called Eddie about making a Regis fight. He didn't call me. So he's really want Now, that kind of correlates into uh, the Rise podcast had a clip of Coach Calvin Ford saying, basically, we want Haney. That's the fight we want. If that doesn't work, if they can't get the paperwork on that, then that means we're going to go with Cruz. The rematch. That's the backup plan. Devin Haney said, I believe it when Al reaches out. He knows who to call. And that's a fair point, I would say. That's a fair point. You know, he hasn't called or whatever. Um, but, you know, you just – the only thing about that is, so now people are like – so some people ran and said that's what it's going to be. We just heard from MBO that he's actually got a source saying that's what it's going to be. I've definitely heard that as well. Even, you know, Tank came out and said, we're going we're gonna to make an offer and see if he wants to fight. Um, now, can they – they can have probably preliminary talks about the fight as far as date and kind of the scope of the deal and whatnot. Um, now, can they 100% get a date locked in considering – Gervonta Davis's scenario right now. I'm not saying Gervonta is going to uh, not obey what he has to obey. That's not what I'm saying. Don't put words in my mouth. But do you have to make sure that gets all the way through to August 5th or whatever? I don't know. Can, you know, are you going to make all these plans? And he still has to get through that. He still has to get through the community service. I, so I don't know that. I, I'm just being honest. I don't know that. You know, are these folks going to reserve something for him at the MGM, let's say, or whatever? I'm not saying they wouldn't do that. Of course they would because he's a huge money generator. But do they have to wait to start finalizing stuff until August just to make sure? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, I they could. I'd assume they could have preliminary talks, and they could probably add some detail into those. Right? I don't know if they'll put pen to paper and fully negotiate it uh, June, July, until that. I don't know that. I don't know that. Okay, but that's fair on what Haney said. But it's fair that hey, if you're planning on maybe staying at 135 for that, you know, you called out Tio. Called out Loma, he called out Cambosas when the Loma Cambosas fight fell through. Now tables have turned, 
and Haney can do whatever he wants. He's the lineal. He's undisputed. If he wants to fight at 140 and he doesn't want to make this weight anymore, I'm not. Go ahead, young man. Go ahead. I'm not going to say shit. But he still is the B-side, so tables have turned for him. But now when it comes to Gervonta per se, now does he have a little leverage? Fuck yeah, he does. He's the fucking undisputed. So there is some leverage there. But I, if I were him, and that this is me speaking, if you're really going to fight, like if he fights someone else, Lomachenko or, I doubt this would happen, but Shakur or something like that, um, like maybe there is a Lomachenko rematch. That's a possibility. But if you're only going to fight one more fight at 135, it should be tank. It really should. You might as well. It's the biggest money, like MBO said, and, and why not? Why not? Like I said, I think the other side of it is, hey, we're both in our 20s. I can fight him at a healthier weight. And if that's what he chooses to do, I'm not going to stand in his way, man. These last five fights, Haney's deserves a lot of respect, man. You know? He's had some adversity in these fights. He's gotten through them. He's developed as a top-level elite fighter. Dude's done his thing no matter how you scored that Loma fight. Unless you scored it like 8-4, to 9-3 Loma, then, you know, I don't want to hear it. But anyway, so I get it. But, but my whole point is, if you went and called Eddie, I mean, maybe you don't have Al on speed dial. Cool, I get it. Al doesn't answer the phone all day long, right? But, well, he does, but it's, it's not just fighters or whatever, especially people that aren't tied to him, right? But you're a free agent, and if you can call, you know, Eddie, I'm sure you have Mayweather's number, I'm, I'm assuming. No matter what, you, I think you should do your due diligence and at least go that route and be like, I want a meeting. I've requested a meeting to sit down and break bread. Because then at least you can say, hey, I tried to get a meeting. They wouldn't do it. Right? And then you could, then you could actually, and I hate the word duck, but you know it's out there left and right. But I'm saying at least you'd have some, some ground to stand on and be like, hey, dude, I wanted to see what was up. I wanted to make the fight. I reached out. I had someone reach out or I reached out to Floyd. He talked to him, you know, whatever. But just don't say, well, they got to call me, that's it. Oh, you could say that. I, I take that back. You could say that, but if you're going to go and say, well, I just called Eddie, and I know Eddie promoted him, so I get that. He can call Eddie probably anytime. So it is different than just calling out. I do understand that. But if you're going to sit there and put it out publicly that you called for the pro-grade fight, but then you're not going to be like, hey, Floyd, tell Al to hit me up. Let's sit down. If you really want that fight. But if you want to go to 140, young man, you deserve to do whatever the hell you want in your next fight. I'm not going to say shit. And, yes, we talked about Lomachenko um, not only retaining his spot at one – or in the, at 120, what the fuck was I going to say? At, at, at 10, right, in the pound-for-pound pound list, uh, he's also retained his number one contender at the WBC uh, lightweight ranking. Um Shakur is number two. Was he number one before? Some people are saying that Shakur was number one prior. Uh, but if Haney moved up, then that would the vacant belt would be perfect for for Loma and Shakur. Obviously, that's a that's that's an easy one. You know, that's a super easy 
Um, they made an official top right did with Cambosis and Hughes, George Cambosis, Maxi Hughes, uh, July 22nd, Saturday on ESPN. Um, they also, we'll talk a little bit about, excuse me, about some of the undercard stuff that they have on there. I think, uh, yeah, they got a couple good fights on there, don't they? Keyshawn is against uh, Francisco Patera. Pantera, Patera, I think it is. That's the co-feature. So Keyshawn's back in action. Uh, so that's good for him, just in general. And I understand, like, it is kind of a weird place to put that fight per se. But, you know, it is what it is. We, you know, people always dog on fights going to Minneapolis. So, you know, this is a little quote um, from Josh Warrington. I'd love to run it back with Lopez. I'm sure you would. I'm sure you would. And then this is Broadwell, or Broadway, Broadwell, Broadway Joel, shouts out to him. Elvis Rodriguez will no longer be fighting Lipinets. Uh They're searching for a new opponent. Um, Benny, uh, Benjamin Yuna, um, Lipinets pulled out of his scheduled fight with Elvis Rodriguez. I don't want to hear about it. No one wants to fight him. Okay. So um, people are sending me the tickets for, yeah, they, they kind of overpriced the tickets there. By the way, uh, that um, that Ludomo, God, what is his name? Lamati, Lamati, who collapsed um, in the corner and was stretched out uh, after that. Uh, his defeat to Nick was it Nick Ball? Um, so he was taken um, to the Belfast Hospital on arrival. Numerous tests. Scans were carried out. He is currently under hospital care. And the latest feedback from the net medical team this morning is that the vital signs are stable. That's good. And they'll, you know, provide an update. So, you know, definitely thoughts going out there. Um, yeah. Oh, by the way, Caleb Plant, right back in a big fight. What does that mean? I'm thinking Demetrius Andre. That's what I'm thinking. That'd be a great fight. Oscar Colazzo, WBO champ. I, I mentioned that fight, broke it down. Uh, Amanda Serrano said the fastest Puerto Rican fighter to win a uh, world title, seven pro fights. Yeah, man, that's, that's dope. That is dope. Um, Adam from SN Boxing, two potential interesting, interesting possibilities for Luis Alberto Lopez, a unification against Robisi Ramirez and a chance to avenge that earlier loss we talked about with Ruben Villa, who's also with top rank. So, yeah, that, that's he's ready to go. A lot of people are talking about um, the Chicago. What the hell is uh, the next, uh, next fight for Oscar Colazzo that Oka, Shigoka? What I forgot that. I've seen that guy fight a couple times, strawweight. That would be a good fight. That would be a good fight. I don't know. Is it Jinjiro? I think that's his first name. Um, but, yeah, that would be a really good fight. He's got some fights there, too. Jacob um, Rodriguez said, um, Sisto, Sixto Escobar, first PR champ, Puerto Rican champ, Carlos Ortiz, most wins, unified, lightweight, Wilf, Wilfred uh, or Benitez, I should say, youngest champ, of course, uh, Wilfred Gomez, Wilfredo Gomez, 17 consecutive titles, won all by knockout. You got Cotto, first uh, 
Puerto Rican to win titles in four divisions. Um, then the uh, first Puerto Rican undisputed champ, that's Serrano, and then now Oscar Col- Colazzo. This is what I was talking about. Someone sent me this when I mentioned it. Four thir- four thirteen and three now. So they've actually taken away when you when you have Lomachenko's amateur and pro record together. Now look at I think he's a, a damn good fighter. He's not past his prime. He showed it in that fight. But I do think the way people have talked about him, it just goes way over the top, man. It just goes way over the top, dude. It, it really does. It, it really does. By the way, WBC, this is IW Boxing, um, WBC number one contender Rocky Hernandez signs with Matchroom. He'll be fighting July 17th in Mexico uh, against uh, John Ecker Tovar, a a 21-0, July 17th. Or, sorry, 7th in Mexico. Now, um, Real Roland Pin, he said, he, he quote tweeted this, Trish Dixon talking about, you know, uh, Hernandez signing a long-term deal with Eddie Hearn of Matchroom. Another MTK pro bellum disrupt Kinnan guy signs a deal with Hearn. At what point do those uh, hard questions start getting asked? That is a, speaking of question, yes, a good question. And this is Toppinger again, that the Tyson Fury, Joshua, uh, Eddie Hearn and George Warren has restarted conversation to make the fight happen in September in the UK. Uh, it's claimed Fury has told this team to push for the fight. But, you know, what kind of money are we talking about? You know? What kind of money are we talking about right there? Uh, that's, you know what I mean? Also, Matthias Broadway, Joel, shouts out to him, according to his his sources, that the Sabrina Matias fighting... Uh, Rancis Bartholomew, that, that's not true. That's not true. Um, it does sound like maybe he is signing with, and, and actually Jay Donovan, in that comments, he was saying that it's got, I think based off the article, that it's actually the, the wrong opponent, but maybe he is saying with PBC. I don't know. Um, and this is Eddie Hearn to Boxing Social. Anthony Joshua's next fight will probably take place August 12th, and as we know, the front runner is Dillian White, the rematch. But that's really not some sort of big surprise. Per Dan Raphael and, and some other sources, but Dan will go with uh, Haney Loman did about 150,000 buys. Uh, this has also been reported a couple times now. Haney made four and Lomacheco made three. Um, so, you know, it's really not that bad in numbers, you know what I mean, if you are honest about um. Oh yeah, Liam Smith, Eubank Jr. postponed. It does sound like Cruz Desern and Savannah Marshall will take over the main event from the uh, AO Arena in Manchester. Shout out Manchester. Shout out the UK. Shout out Ireland, Northern Ireland. Um, Manchester, July first, live on Sky Sports. So it won't be pay per view. So that's cool. And as we assumed, and now it's to place um, Igis Klimas for, you know, the manager of Lomachenko and many other, has now sent letters to the WBA, WBC, IBF, WO, insisting that they will appeal the Devin Haney defeat. And they did. They 
did send that around. Um, everything boxing. Oh wait, of course. I'm sorry, I take that back. No, no smoke, smoke sport. Um, Nonito Donaire will reportedly face Alexandro Santiago for the WBC title on July 15th. And uh, uh, Lord of the Flies, great follow, by the way. <clears throat> Another great matchup left in the wake of Inoue's departure. Santiago is stylistically a difficult fight for Donaire, and he arguably, arguably beat uh, Anacasas and Antonio Russell previously. If Nonito Donaire does nail him, uh, with the Excalibur hook, he's going to get crowned and beat on. Um, yeah, so that. Okay. Um, someone actually sent me the Dear President Mendoza and members of the ratings community this past Saturday. Yeah, they're basically like their appeal, like what they're sending out, uh, Lomachenko's side. So, um, yeah. So that that's that's it. Someone sent me this quote. What was this? Mungia at the time said Mungia co-promoter. Oh, Oscar De La Hoya. Every fight that Jaime Mungia is in is a tough fight. It's a difficult fight. At least he's fighting somebody okay now, though. I'll say that. I'm happy to see that part. You know, I am happy to see that. Okay, enough waiting around. I'm gonna address that stuff uh, you know the Eddie Hearn stuff like I said I don't do the I don't do it for, for you guys okay the people that won't call in and debate they'll just you know do some shit so so here we go so this is uh, IFL TV Eddie Hearn they're, they're, <coughs> the dude who's doing the interview they are going over what Bob Arum said, so we'll go over some of that. We'll play the audio, uh, you know, a couple different – for a little while, okay? So, And I may stop it during it and whatnot, of course, but this is what – so they're holding the, the phone for Eddie to hear what Bob Arum just said. So remember, this is a response, to be fair. It is a response to Bob Arum's comment. Eddie didn't just, he talked shit, sure, but he didn't just pop off out of nowhere. Last one from me, Bob, because I know you're a busy woman. Eddie Hearn has came to the U.S. He's kind of said that, you know, he's taken over the game in terms of promoting. He says that in the U.S. he's doing the biggest shows. He's obviously just signed Edgar Berlanga, who left top rank. What do you make of Eddie's business in the U.S. at the moment? Well, you know, among the boxing people in the United States, Eddie is a joke, really a joke, a clown. You know, he's taken the, the zone money and uh, have a, a big campfire with the money. Uh, uh, even uh, Oscar De La Hoya's golden boy on the same platform has outshone uh, Eddie. That, first off, that that's like the kids say cat. I mean, come on. Like, Matchroom overall, maybe Matchroom USA or whatever. But Matchroom, Golden Boy, considering what their budget is and their lack of cards, they do pretty good. And sometimes, I just went over their undercards. Their undercards are, are awesome sometimes. They really are. But I, I call Cap a little there. Come on now. I don't think any very serious. 
Yeah. And I have no problem doing it. I respect Bob Aaron because he's a survivor. But he is done. Over. I was going to save this for like. So he's talking about that the ESPN deal that still has some years on it. Because they signed a deal, then they, they extended it. And I think it was like a, what was it? Don't quote me on this. I think it was like a seven-year, six-year extension. I can't remember. But, you know, he's saying it's done. Well, we'll find out about that. We're just not – because he was saying after a year, it's going to be so vicious and grimy and, and such so competitive, Showtime's going to be out of business. So that's, that's nonsense. But he does make some good points about top-level fights. I'll say that. Um, but he did, and that is true. They don't have a pay-per-view guy. Theory's a pay-per-view guy, but as we know right now, he can't fight in the U.S. Maybe that'll change. Um, but to be fair, before he promoted him, you know, Fury had had a successful pay-per-view with Wilder in that first fight. Then ESPN and Fox, and that's where I want to go. ESPN and Fox, ESPN gets half that credit. So when he says no big fights, and okay, so 2020 February was that fight, right? But the rematch was, you know, less than two years ago. And that was a big fight. Okay? Taylor Ramirez was a big fight for Undisputed. So to say that they haven't done anything, those two fights and that one I just announced or just talked about, and then Haney, those are pretty big fights. But I understand what he's saying, he, and he's making a point. It's true. They don't have comparatively. You know, now, and and also Canelo, he had Canelo and Bivol and Triple G in the same year. Those are big fights, especially the Golovkin-Canelo. Um, now, that did really well at the gate, but that had two fights already that did well, very well, like crazy, over $20 million at the gate. So you can't really take a bunch of credit for that. And then you definitely can't do the pay-per-view. Now, is it all his fault? Canelo decided when to fight Golovkin, right? So that really didn't have much to do with zone or Eddie, right? So I'll say that, but, you know, with Canelo... His gates, you know, haven't been all that great beyond the Golovkin fight, and they had already had two fights that did phenomenal gates. So I, it's not like he brought Canelo up. Like he – Canelo was in so many big fights and on major pay-per-views with Cotto and Chavez Jr. and Mayweather and both Golovkin fights. So it's like you – but he does promote them. Now – that four plus what they say, $110 uh, million in those two fights. How much money did they make on that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we're talking about making money and successful. I mean, selling 50000 you know, in, a, in a, a stadium in Mexico, that is good. That is impressive. But, I mean, if you want to be honest, at, at the live gate in the pay-per-view numbers, there's some pay-per-view opponents that you're not going to do as good with no matter who you got that's just how it goes but the pay-per-views in the gate beyond the gate with that one i mentioned with golovkin because the pay-per-views didn't do good for that trilogy i'm not saying that's all it's fault, but the bibble like he some of the gates haven't lived up to what they you know like 
won the fight with Showtime. Look at 800,000 baby buys, and look at the gate. Look at the gate comparatively to those Billy Joe Saunders and the Bibble and all that. So, but, you know, that, like I said, that, that, uh, that Katie Taylor Serrano, he's right. I mean, I remember, I know people are going to be in the comments or whatever, or, or message me same people that are like part-time media members or whatever, or just bite and just, well, I won't even go there, but I gave DAZN the network of the year last year, 2022, because of the overall year. I did give them that, and Eddie had a lot to do with that, obviously. Now, the year before that, it was Showtime, ABC, and so far this year, I mean, you're not going to be able to beat them now. Now that they got Spencer Crawford on the line, go look at, you know, and they still have, you assume Tim Zoo's going to win. So they still have, they're, they're now, even Tim Zoo's side has said that they're fixing in on an actual date for that. And I, I believe it's either August or September. I think it's probably going to be September. That's just a hunch. But he even said, his side said that they're narrowing it down. It's going to happen. So that's another one against two. Go look at this year with the PBC and Showtime and go see not just top ten matchups, which they've had plenty, top five against top five and one against two. I mean, they've had all that. They had the best year so far. You're not going to catch them. You're not going to catch them. It just it is what it is. Last year, half the year till you know, late July, they had the best year going, but it fell off. It did fall off some. Now, it, it went out with a bang on paper with that matchup with uh, that one that Frank Martin blew Rivera away. And, and, you know, PBC and Showtime, their undercards on average, whether it's 10 or 12 rounders, are usually the best. So they can have a mediocre main event, but they still give you something to, you know, chew on and enjoy on the, on the undercard. But this whole thing of they're done. Like, we don't know about that deal. And remember, the deal he said, and I'm talking about he as an Eddie Hearn, he said he had an eight-year deal. Why would you extend it five years later? He just extended it two years here for Matchroom uh, in, in the U.S., and that's cool. I'm just saying that you already told us it was an eight-year deal, so why would you even need to extend it? which is kind of weird. But we know that this year and next year is what uh, – that's that's what – now Espinos have come out and said that multiple times. That's their deal. They have two years left on their deal. ESPN still has some years on theirs. So to say it's done, let's see it happen because I'm not – now people are going to run with this. Luckily, he's not saying about the PPC. Well, he actually did just say they're done. But the whole like – like what do you mean they're done? They're out – they're having the best schedule this year, PBC and Showtime. Like, stop, dude. So it's going to be two out of three years. And half the year, they had the best schedule last year. So it's just like, come on, I'm willing to go someplace with it. But all their star, you know, all their star fighters are, are out for 18 months. Well, Spence was out because Spence wanted a fight with Crawford, and he got it. That's why he was out. Al just didn't put him on the bench. Wilder, crazy brawl in the third fight, so he was out a year. He came back. Looks like he may be out for longer, but he's trying. The Ruiz fight, 
right? That Ruiz fight may come back. If that Usyk fight goes through, that first bit we were talking about early, you never know. Maybe Ruiz comes back. It sound, the reports are that he, you know, that he wanted too much money. Now we've heard it again with Fury. I don't know if that's true. We'll see. Maybe he'll come back. Like I said, he, he knocked on Ruiz, knocked on other doors, came back, and now maybe he will fight Wilder. I don't know. But maybe they won't fight because Wilder's got to fight in December. I don't know. I have no clue. You know what I mean? I have no clue. Um, you'd assume he'd want to fight, and if it's in December, that means you can fight in August or, or, or September or something like that. But my point is it's like to say they're done. And then, you know, so that's two stars. Okay, well, Tank, he has two fights already. So this whole thing of they're done, they're done. I mean, uh, Charlo's been hurt, dude. Now, Jermall, you could at least say that, but that's not Al Heyman keeping on the side what Jermall's been going through. That has nothing to do with Al Heyman. You could take it up with the WBC, whether they should have made him a champion in recess, which I think they should have, or some people think they should have stripped him. Okay, well, whatever. They should have had some action there, but it's just like, come on, dude. So he says he's number one in America, and then everybody else is shitty, basically. I mean, come on, dude. When someone's having a better year, and I'm talking about overall, not just in America, but that's just a little ridiculous. That's totally ridiculous. Come on. But anyway, this Spence Crawford, anyway, I just, I had to get that rant out. But Spence Crawford, I never did fully preview it. I mean, I've been talking about it on and off with, you know, folks and whatnot. But like John and and MBO, shouts out to you guys. But, man, I cannot wait for this matchup, dude. I mean, it really pits the best versus best in the competition now. The competition for Fighter of the Year, talk about a throwback year. I mean, I was on a space uh, this last week, and we were all talking about, like, what's the last best year that could top this? Like, 2019, I, I mentioned the second and fourth quarters were all, you know, crazy. Uh, and just in general, that was a great year. 2015 was way better than people give it credit for. A lot of that is just PBC hate. Um, someone on the space mentioned, was it 2003 or 2001? Uh, Kenneth, he, he said 97, was it? We listed some of those. I mean, you have to go way back. This has been a tremendous year. It is great to have this competition. You know, it's great. It's phenomenal to have this competition like this, man, because it makes everybody go, oh, shit, we got to get our shit together. But um, yeah, I mean, going back to, all right, well, who's going to win fight of the year? I mean, I probably think because longevity on the list and both in the top five, basically on every, not everybody's, but a lot of, you know, rankings have both Crawford and Spence top five, and they've been there for a while. So I think whoever wins that fight will be considered number one pound for pound in their win fight of the year. Um, in your way, Fulton, you have a, a debate there because Fulton should be in the top ten, if we're being honest. And so that's another matchup. And many people think Inouye's number one or at least top three. Well, at the bare minimum, I think top three, but bare minimum top five. So then you'd be pound for pounder matchup again. You know, I mean, 
And then you, you know, I don't think, I don't think the, the Charlo Tim zoo would do it. Um, even though, you know, Charlo definitely should be top 10. Some people have them. Some people don't. Um, which I think is ridiculous. But, um, and then, you know, what, what are if Haney, <laughs> the, the dark horse here is Devin Haney or Javante. If they made that fight, holy fucking shit, right? But just think about it. Devin coming off a Loma win. You know, talk about getting more clarity out of weight class, right? I'm not saying, hey, Shakur's there. I'm, I, Frank Martin's there. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, fight happened. You're coming off Ryan Garcia unbeaten and Lomachenko, and then you whoever won Devin Haney and Gervonta, I mean, that'll raise you up on the, the pound for pound. So, I mean, this shit's crazy, dude. But, yeah, that matchup of... Uh, with Spence and Crawford, man, like I said, the the fundamentals, the activity, um, not just the come forward fighter from Spence, like I said, that jab, dude, and just constantly finding the open target on somebody's body just to make you feel the pain. Can he go over the top sometimes as far as reaching? Yeah, he can. He can. Um, he doesn't have great defense. I don't think either has great defense, though. I think counterpuncher, definitely Terrence Crawford. But like I said, he's not your average, you know, counterpuncher who if there is a brawl going on, he's not just going to hold or get the hell out of there. He's going to try to fight. I mean, sometimes he's been hurt basically trying to knock a guy out, you know, in his career. And we've seen it, Crawford hurt by smaller punchers or, or lesser punchers, smaller punchers. I meant to say, like, smaller guys like Gamboa, who could punch, but he could punch better at 26 and 30 than 35. And, you know, Mean Machine can punch, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, So we've seen him hurt more, but that's not to say Errol hasn't been hurt, you know. It's just visually you've seen uh, him get hurt. By the way, there there was a fight. I didn't watch much of this card. I saw the uh, Aston... uh, Slides or whatever. I saw that fight, but the freaking uh, box wreck on the Giovanni, Giovanni Luis and Carlos Ray Ramirez. I, is this true? Pro debut for Luis Ramirez displayed no. The guy who lost displayed no ability to box whatsoever. Is that true? Is that a true statement? <laughs> it is true. That shit was. Bad, but I didn't see the full card, so I'm not going to give my. Here's a Book Williams, OBJ at OBJ. Good, great follow, by the way. Um, I'm cool if Roly vacates to fight Ryan. That way, the WBA could order O'Hara Davies and Kenneth Smith Jr. I'd be cool with that. Oh, and then we got to the bottom of it. We already knew, you know, Glazier was a fucking just a constant hater at Al, but. I guess going back to the Mosley Forest fight, it wasn't Forest. Vernon Forest, I believe, one of the first fighters, if not the first fighter that Al represented. He basically, you know, I don't know. I guess Al didn't didn't acknowledge him, didn't thank him. Al never said thank you, never acknowledged me. Well, guess what? I've been getting 
even ever since, and that was 17 years ago. <laughs> so he finally came out and said it. He finally came out and said why he's been a hater. Uh, setback. Okay, somebody sent me this. I'll read it. Vasily Lomachenko um, about Devin Haney. Setback. Oh, boy. Um, talking about the Gervonta Haney fight. It'll never happen because now Haney understands his level. Now I think he'll go up to 140 and just fight regular boxers. Like, he wouldn't even fight pro grade. He would just go up there to feel it out. This is what he says about the rematch with Haney. Loma says, I, I think it'll never happen. It should, but it'll never happen because he's scared and he understands he lost the fight. He was talking about legacy before the fight. If you want legacy, you need to make the rematch. That's what he said. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Um, oh, okay, one more. Boxing social. This has to do with Dimitri Bibble and Eddie Hearn. Eddie Hearn has dismissed the claim that Dimitri Bibble is a promotional free agent, stating that Bibble has one fight left in his contract with Matchroll. Hearn would like to fight Canelo, you know, like him to fight Canelo for the rematch. Now, he also said that Canelo doesn't have, he, he actually doesn't have a fight with him, that he owes him. And so he said, we're going to try our best to get him that, but he could go other places. So that opens the door there. And, of course, the WBC won't sanction, um, so it wouldn't be quote-unquote undisputed. It'd still be lineal, though. But they won't sanction Bibble because it's the bullshit. Uh, one last thing. Sibby Boxing did a poll yesterday asking who wins, Spence Crawford. Spence, 51%. Crawford, 49%. 504 pick Spence, 501. So over 1,000 votes. Pitt Crawford, yeah, that's a 50-50 fight, dude. It is a one more thing before we get out of here. This is Ashy Knuckles. What's up? What's up? Shouts out to him. Y'all got to stop scoring fights while you're drunk on fight night. Boxing. Hashtag boxing. Nothing wrong with drinking on fight night, but come on, man. Have some respect for the sport if you're going to come on here and talk about robberies and whatnot. That's a great point. For a network that's getting uh, out of – Getting out of boxing, Showtime is smashing everyone to bits lately. Yeah, that is kind of funny. Oh, TGB, now this, I think I already talked about this, but this is Jake Donovan talking about the Eidic boxing uh, inner, er, article. So Hector Garcia and Lamont Roach, which I really like that fight. Um, that, that's a, that's the TGB got that fight. Um, I think Roach Sr., uh, no excuse boxing. Was, that was those were two bitters. See, that's another good fight. I really like that fight. Um, yeah, that's gonna be it. Anyway, I'm out of here. Enjoy the fights. Hopefully, we have something pop off on that Showtime card or Clarissa Shield fight or whatever. Hopefully, we get something to talk about. Otherwise, we'll be back. We got a big fight weekend coming up next go around. Not this weekend, but next with Tiafimo Lopez. Josh Taylor. Anyway, I'm out. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the fights. Peace. Once you become the world champion, I believe that you feel you have the upper hand. So now, when, if you fight, let's say you fight for five years, 
of streets of Bible, of the 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 B